Live at home fight fans. To the Fighters Boys Kick Ass Podcast. Your Black Talk Authority. Not to mention the most entertaining and talked about podcast with your kick ass host, Richard Ortiz. You mad? Come at me, bro. And his loyal kick ass co host, Senor Cole Escovito. Streaming live and worldwide. Coming to you all the way live from a little place somewhere in Cali. The Fighters Boys Kick Ass Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Fresno, California, the fighter's voice, the only voice knocking out the competition. It's good to have everybody back in studio with us, top ranks own, Lee Samuels. Welcome to the show, Lee. How's it going? Greetings, everybody. I'm excited about the show. And we can't start without the one, the only, the Apache Kid, the co-host with the most, the one sporting looking good in the smooth tuxedo, the one and only Mr. Co Escovito. You know what's funny is I've never had a tuxedo. You never had? Mm-mm. So you never went to the prom? Mm-mm. You didn't, you didn't go to the prom? Well, I didn't I didn't go to my prom. I went to someone else's. No, oh, I still didn't wear a tux. Oh, I wore a, a guest. suit. Yeah, I went, a guest. I went to somebody else's prom. Okay, I can see that too. Hey, Lee, let's just ask you this. Did you ever go to the prom? No. <laughs> you didn't go to the prom when no, you were in high school? I, I wasn't that... I was... You mean they weren't fighting over you? I, I, they weren't I was actually writing sports and stuff. I was in high school. I wrote, wrote for the local paper. Oh, man, he didn't even start it back then. See, ladies and gentlemen, when I say the man, the myth, the legend, I mean, <laughs> he just lets you know right now. It's like, you, you don't like the story of Achilles in, in the hill? You don't like when they say release the crackling? Yeah. It's just release this guy right here. Man. I mean, because he just, I mean, it can go on and on and on, man. But uh, no, hey, I'm Richard Ortiz. I'm your host of the Fighter's Voice Knockout Radio Show. We're knocking out the competition. This is the part of the show where we just let you know it's going to be one of those types of shows, man. I mean, I don't even know. I don't need no questionnaire. I have notes, but it's more of a safety net. But this man needs no introduction. He's here in the show, and I just want him to just spill, and I just want to jump right to it, man. What can the fans expect Sunday? February 10th, Jose Ramirez, the Avonall Kid, Save March Center, Rick Merigium, Bob Aaron Promotions, top rank. It doesn't get any better than that. We don't need nothing golden. All we need is something on the top. I think and you got that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did. Jose's an extraordinary uh, fighter. Tremendous left hook. Great trainer, Robert Garcia. He's fighting a fighter in Zapatos, trained by Freddie Roach. That's a story in and itself. We talked in a car coming over. There's danger. Freddie Roach, former trainer mm-hmm. of Jose Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, danger in all fights. But um, Bruce Trampler and Brad Goodman, myself, and Miguel Diaz, we saw Jose train in, you know, in Riverside, California. He looked great, in good spirits. And uh, he's, he's, in a, he's in a tough one Sunday, but he should be fine. And I, th- I think he's destined to fight, you know, made mega fights. Yeah. I think, I think by beating... King's fighter Amir Amman at the Madison Square Garden, he showed who he really is. He dug in deep for that. Now, he, he here's a kid who used to train in a barn with his trainers, who and he asked them, I wanna, am I good enough to fight in the Olympics? And they told him yes. He made the Olympics. And then uh, we had a lot of interest in him with his promoter, Rick Murray. Again. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be a fine tandem. I mean, they're, they're making things work. Right now, they're, they're on a roll, and, and if it's not broken, don't fix it. Well, well, I told you the story about Mike Reed. I was in, yeah. a, I was in Madison Square Garden it was about a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, and Mike Reed, uh, he won a fight in the garden. Undefeated Mike Reed. Mm-hmm. And he told me, uh, you know, Jose's not... What, he, what you think you, you propped him up with easy guys and whatever and I can knock, I can knock him he'll never hit me with the footwork and and uh, I just said would you say it to the Fresno B he says yeah and he did and we sold a lot of tickets for it mm-hmm. and 
a fight with about one punch. Well, you know? <laughs> exactly. And let's go back. Hey, let's go back to that because if I replay it on my phone, my phone will drain all the battery because he threw like maybe seven or eight left hooks in a row, and that one punch has put him to sleep. Well, he said he said he had the footwork to yeah. counter all that. And by the way, Reed fought for us after that fight. Yeah, he did. But he on the undercard back in Fresno, I believe. No, was it been Fresno? No, it was in uh, L.A. And he didn't. He didn't have the fire he had before he fought you know uh, what? Jose. And then, that was, we, then we released him. Some, something happens once a man gets tagged yeah. and, and he gets yeah. tested. And, and he's, a good person. he's a good person. It's, it's, it's tough in the ring. When when um, Jose signed with Robert Garcia, I asked Robert, do, we, do you mess with his left hook? He goes, no, you never mess with a fighter's best weapon. You leave that alone. You work on other uh, footwork and Very other smart. things. That's why he's one of the best. Right. Garcia said, leave that left hook alone, right? Yeah. If he's good at it, you, you're you going to waste so much time trying to find a way to defeat it rather than just ways to avoid it and set you up for an, a counter. Like H Jose told me when he was a little boy in amateur fights, he first discovered, he said he would hit, he would throw the left hook, say nine or 10 years old, and yeah. the other opponent would just, it wouldn't go down, but he just, he would freeze him, freeze him a little bit and it could finish him off. And so he knew early what his punch was. Like throwing a flashbang into a room. Yeah, exactly. Like pre-breach or something. It just kind of stuns him, and you're like, "Now I got you." Yeah, he can go a long ways. I I truly believe so. Yeah, I, I do. Sky, sky's the limit, and they're taking I, it one fight at a time. He's training hard. He's got a great trainer, good people around him. He loves he loves fighting here, and we and we love coming here. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. And, and Fresno, we welcome you here. I mean, the UFC is going to see a dip in numbers on Saturdays, I think, for their card. Oh, they are. <laughs> Everything see. in the Central Valley, everyone's going to be at the Save Mart. Like, well, well actually, Saturday is, is showtime, giving them a little thing. This one's on Sunday. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Oh, so they avoid them entirely. Exactly. So you this, got a whole, whole weekend. this whole weekend we're being spoiled. Oh, okay, cool. If you're like in it. the combatant sports, which you and myself mm -hmm. are, and Mr. Lee Samuels, I'm yeah, spoiled. You, I, like I want, a candy I want candy you to stay clear of Jose because you are a former fighter things happen <laughs> i can see that well you know what maybe i'll set up a chess game or something i'll set up a chess game they're, they're both something safe something safe they're, they're, both, they're both competitive they're, they're very both competitive and they're about the same weight too oh, man i i got better chance what, of dodging taxes than what do you weigh seriously right now probably about 55 oh 60. boy that's trouble yeah, yeah that see is trouble. that is that is trouble i guess i can get back under 50 i'll get back under 50 we'll there you go oh uh, yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering on that Poppy's way. That's hey, what everyone's looking at. Well, exactly. Well, you know what? It's Poppy Martinez. That's a few that's going on. Well, maybe I'll negotiate for you. We can get some of that Jose money. Let's lay it down Man. on the table right there. We'll we'll see. I can see it now. Co Escovito makes combat. Come back. Comes out with the Apache Kid versus, you know, Avenal's own. Define define comeback money to get your ass whooped. <laughs> No, hey, no, you're still no, a matchmaker. No, no, if you're still if you're Freddie Roach, how would you attack Jose? Oh my gosh. He trained him. Knows everything about him. First of all, I would convince my fighter to believe everything that I say, mm -hmm. and, and he has to because he's going to take the lead on this and, and have 100% uh, confidence that whatever Freddie Roach is telling me, he knows what's going to work and neutralize him. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about Freddie okay. Roach in, in, in a fight. I asked him specifically, what do, what do you say to a fighter between rounds? You know, that one minute break. Mm. He goes as little as possible. And I say it when he's getting up off the stool, going back in. I say, I'll say, go to your left, or walk him down, or go to your right. Very simple instructions because that's 
and no one else is allowed to speak in the corner but Freddie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then so it makes sense, right? Yeah. I so, mean, realistically, wait, bef- what happened? You- before the corner men go in, they decide like if the whole fight was a grappling fight, it's like Rich go go over what the go over what he needs to do on the ground. If he was winning, tell him what he needs to do. If it was on the feet, you'll have their striker. Okay, tell him when you, what the goal when you is. Fought, did your trainers talk to you during the fight or just just one, like during the the bout yeah, itself yeah. or in between rounds? In between rounds. In between rounds, it was always just like I said, one specific. Like if we were having a whole ground battle that round, oh, I would yeah. talk to my ground coach. If it was a striking one, I would talk to my striking coach, and they'd say, "Okay, here's what's working. Here's what." But only one, only one would talk, and they would decide who who was going to do it before they would come into the ring with me. Right when I when um, one time I walked in a wild card, and uh, Manny Pacquiao wasn't there. No one, no one else. Was, he was fighting uh, Oscar, and and the, the concern was Oscar's hook, right? Yeah, the forty five. Yeah, so. And and Freddie was teaching uh, Pacquiao in slow motion how to um, roll out of, of areas mm. and wave and stay out of corners, don't get trapped against the ropes. But it's all done by nobody in the gym, slow motion, you know, careful coaching. Mm-hmm. It really is something to say. Also, Freddie also told me that Eddie Futch taught him this. Like your ring, you square the ring, and you put another square inside the ring, and have your fighter fight, you know, in the center of the ring, and don't get caught in corners or anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you get caught in the corner, try to make your way back to the center of the ring and do your fighting there. It was called it's called King of the Ring, and he said it was taught by Eddie Futch to Freddie and who, who trained Freddie, and he said trainers don't do it anymore. But I I I'd like to have the fighters fight. More in the center of the ring, not in dark corners. Yeah, I could see it builds muscle memory for staying in the circle. Remember, if you have the center of the ring, it's not like getting taken down or anything is a risk. You control exactly. the angles, the pace. Everything works off that exactly. center any, yeah. anyway when yeah. training anyway. So, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. By the way, when a fighter gets hurt, invariably he's made a mistake. Either Like, for example, when Marquez knocked out Pacquiao. In that particular event, they had fought before. Yeah. And they did. They said they they didn't want to go to scorecards, so Pacquiao goes side to side motion, and it goes in three steps, and then exit. Marquez calls that a good exit strategy, but to knock him out, he took a fourth step. So Marquez's punch was right there, and then you saw what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah, kind of yeah, you're, you're beating you him to it. So yeah. my my point being, when you see a fighter get hit, like uh, Terence Crawford told me, the hardest punch he took was against Gamboa. Because Gambo was darting in and out, he says, "I and I messed up on my footwork." Yeah, he, he came in or, as Gambo. Or when was Jesse, in. when Jesse Vargas hit Tim Bradley, Bradley called me to his room afterwards. He says, I made a mistake. Ten seconds ago, I squared up instead of you know side. Yeah, and I got caught, and it was really a deep punch. He he caught. He said he, he got the fighters caught. I got hit deep, and if it happened in the middle of the fight, it would have been a problem. Oh, exactly. only, only because he made the mistake. Mm-hmm. The fighter who got hit usually invariably makes a mistake. Yeah, judgment mistake, a timing mm-hmm. mistake, a yeah. distance mistake. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's good when a fighter acknowledges that because he's he's still in tuned and he knows exactly what he did wrong. Yeah, he's aware of his mistake. Yeah, because exactly. a fighter like Crawford, it's all timing, rhythm. Like Crawford will give away rounds early. He's trying to figure out your rhythm, uh, the, the timing and rhythm of the punches coming in. Well, he's doing this, touching him, while all this firepower is coming in. It's an amazing thing to yeah. see Crawford before he gets him where he wants to go. And because that's know. really what it's three minute rounds, so that's only going to be like six to nine minutes. Yeah. You're not really burning too much juice. You're you're timing. You're buying your timing. 
I mean, he's so athletic and strong that he's able to, he's able to, to I don't want to say put himself at risk, but figure out the fighter in the first three rounds and able to mm. slip punches before they even start coming. Exactly. Just by, just yeah. by being elusive, watching his footwork. Because all you I mean, do. He's, he's the total package right now. Yeah, you just got to dodge a couple. And then once you start dodging a couple, now you're like, okay, now where do I counter? Exactly. I can dodge but these. I, I want to tell you both, though, that if you lose a fight for us, it's not the end of the world. First of all, like for let's give an example of Jeff Horn against Crawford. Like, okay. Uh, Crawford's first time at 47. Even though Horn lost, he had a high compete level, tried to win, fought pretty hard. Yeah, very, probably beat our other 47s. Or when Crawford fought Jose Benavides, you know, went 11 rounds, real yeah. good fight. Yeah, Benavides could beat a lot of other guys. So you don't, we, we, had, we had a problem with our fighters when we had Mayweather. We had a lot of 25, 20, 30 year old, 30 no guys who he was beating. Yeah. And it's very difficult for a fighter's first loss psychologically mm, right mm. it's a ter- horrible effect and we we tell them your professional fighters get back in training and we'll get you a title and you know what that's the faith that they have you know, you know that yeah you gotta you gotta there's, tell them it's not the end of the world you yeah, gotta convince them it's just this I mean, there, is part of the game mayweather is, is, is a tremendous fighter at upper body defense it was taught to him by his father yeah, and and that works for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, taught to him, and he perfected it. Mm-hmm. I, I liked. Uh, what about Pernell Whitaker? His movement. Oh well, the Whitaker uh, De La Hoya fight. <laughs> that was a tough. That fight. was close. <laughs> very I, close. What, what, let's not talk about that one too yeah. much. That was very close. Yeah. That was very close. And uh, let's talk about the so-called draw with uh, Pernell Whitaker and Julio Cesar Chavez. Yes, you can probably talk about that better than I can. <laughs> oh man, tossing, yeah. he's tossing the fighter on the boxing in the boxing hot seat. No, no, no. He's, yeah. Hey, he knows you're a combatant guy. Man. Draws, draws yeah. are never good. Draws always put a sour taste in everyone's mouth, and it always leaves questions because you, I, I would you say always have believers also, on one side. You, you can never tell with how a fight's being scored. Mm-hmm. I've, been around, no. I've been around forever. Ever. You never. No. You don't know. You, no. you have to you know, win those rounds. Diaz Condit. I always use that as an example. Oh man, that was a great fight right there, and that's that's something that's just crazy. I mean, exactly. Just, I thought I thought um, Hagler Leonard. I thought Hagler won, but he didn't get the win. And I thought Oscar beat uh, Trinidad. Clearly beat him. Well, when I say that, I when they when they talk to me about that, I always say Felix Trinidad was awarded the fight. He didn't win the fight. If that makes any sense, because I when, thought when Oscar I, when De La Hoya I, won I, the fight. When I walked into the ring that night, I turned to the front row of press row, talked to a guy from New York Times who told me 10-2 Oscar. So I didn't think anything of it. It never crossed my mind he could lose. 10-2? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I had it eight. I had seven five eight four at different times. Well, I've watched it over and over again. But everybody had Oscar ahead. But Absolutely. But it didn't happen. You know, and, and you can't. And like... When uh, when Horn beat Pacquiao, people said, "Can you change that?" No, a promoter can't change results. No, no. When the results announced, they raise the guy's hand. People in Vegas get paid their tickets mm-hmm. yeah. instantly. Yeah. You can't change results. No. We can't. We could do rematches. No. But, but that, or or you can file a protest, which could lead to a rematch. So you can't change result. That makes a good question. And so, like, I've seen it happen in MMA. I've seen fights bet on. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys win. They're announced. Later, they go back and they realize, oh man, we messed up. They have to go back and change it. I've already been paid out if I was the ticket holder. Yeah. That causes yeah. a whole slew of problems. Right? I'd imagine. Seriously, I've seen it happen before. Yeah. Uh, by the way, any update with Chris Honeycutt <clears throat> on, on and them reliving that that decision? Chris Honeycutt's a, a that's right. Yeah, it was a February hearing, wasn't it? He yeah. was getting ready to go for that. Okay. I haven't heard anything yet. Okay, I'll just have to hit him up. Chris Honeycutt was a guest of ours, Bellator oh, uh, fighter, MMA w- fighter, and uh, he didn't like the decision. I want to make, sure make sure you don't walk into a boxing ring. 
Man. On fight night. By mistake. We may have to get him in there. We'll let Robert Garcia know that that Jose got some new sparring coming in. All I know is I've got like hey, Lee, a, like Lee, a seventy two inch reach. To, but we're not going to the cage though. No, no. man. I, Lee, you, you better watch out because when he ties up a, a boxer, he may put him in some kind of arm bar. So right, watch out. hey, I've seen That's MMA advantage. guys do that. He will not throw a punch. He's uh, uh, intentionally going to tie up, and then we're in trouble. And then clinch and throw an elbow and be exactly. like, "Ah, oh, Cole, you're DQ'd." Exactly. Which brings me to our wrestling story. I was working at the Philadelphia Bulletin. Bob Backlund was champion, and he was selling at the Spectrum. So my boss told me, called me in and said, you know, you know wrestling's a fraud, right? Yeah, I know, I guess. <laughs> well, I want you to go, I want you to go interview Bob Backlund and have him say that wrestling's fixed, okay? No problem. So I get the PR guy, and, and I uh, meet Bob Backlund, the champion, face-to-face, and then uh, I said, I, I, be, I believe my father and I watched wrestling for years. It's not coming from me. It's coming from the office. They, they think that, that, the, that you know the results. He goes, what'd you say? So I said, they, they think that you know the results ahead of time. He goes, come here. He picked me up and <laughs> took me sideways. He goes, I'm going to break your back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to snap your back in two unless you take it back. <laughs> and then not only take it back, but you go to the office and you tell them that I'm going to break your back. And it hurt really bad. <laughs> I was sideways in the air. And you then, didn't get hit and with then, a chair or anything? At, at that time, a tag team came in, like a really mean tag team. And they started growling at me. I said, whoa, this is really bad. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, man. You never know who's going to pick you up in the air next and just start shaking you. Hey, Lee got some stories to tell. I think, deep, I think deep down he's a listen, badass. No, right? no, no, listen. You, you, you're told what to do. But... Um, <laughs> Because that was a big wrestling nut, but that was that was a bad that was a bad scene. It was a bad scene, but you know we want to keep our scenes good. So right now we're gonna take a commercial break. We're gonna be coming right back here with the Fighters Voice Knockout Radio Show. Remember, we're mm. knocking out the competition. We'll be right back with our guest, the one and only Mr. Lee Samuels. The Fighters Voice Kickass Podcast. Hi, I'm Jose Ramirez. I'm Bob Arum. Hi, I'm Robert Garcia, and I'm with the Fighters Voice. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Richard Ortiz, and the co-host with the most, Mr. Co Escovito. Ladies and gentlemen, before I go any further, I want to let you know that the man sitting next to me is the class of 2019 this June. He will be only the second publicist in International Boxing Hall of Fame. He'll be going in there with the likes of you-know-who. Enough said. I can go on and on because for, before that, he was with the class and uh, with Moh- with Muhammad Ali in Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, I believe, and that was two fifteen or two sixteen. Two fifteen. Two fifteen. But you know what? You don't just wake up and say, "Hey, I'm going to the hall." I mean, you may go to the hall to get a glass of water when you're in your house, but we're talking about the Hall of Fame. But we're going to talk about where he started, where it all started from. And my man, I believe you started off as a writer, writing yeah, about I was, sports. I, cover, I love boxing. When I was a little boy. I uh, we, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but I had a radio. I listened to Ellie versus Doug Jones, and I fell in love with the game. When you, when you listen to a game on a fight on radio, it's a lot different than TV. Yeah, it is. You hear everything, uh, you know, sounds on the ring and stuff. But There's more passion, more detail to exactly. it. Exactly. And so um, uh, at that time, I worked at a bulletin which in Philadelphia, which covered every Joe Frazier fight and every Ali fight. Every fight. And I covered those fights. And then, uh, well, I covered two Ali fights. And then the paper closed in 83. And then um, I wasn't going to work for my com- 
competitor, the Inquirer, or Daily News. So uh, I, I got hired by Bob Arum as a writer. He was launching a Thursday night ESPN series that was sent to Atlantic City. I remember that, Thursday and Night Fights. On that series was Michael Buffer's debut. He st- it was Man his- Your Battleships. Before let's get ready Man to rumble. Battleships. And Bruce, also, that? also on that on that on that series was Al Bernstein. Al oh, Bernstein. Right. He still can hold his own today. This is nineteen eighty three. Yeah, Al Bernstein. So and and also um, our matchmakers, Teddy Brenner and of course Bob Arum yeah. hired me and Teddy Brenner and uh, Bruce Trampler were the yeah. matchmakers. And Bruce Trampler has an amazing story. He worked as an assistant trainer for Ali with um, uh, oh, Bruce Trainer. Yeah, Bruce Trampler. Oh, Trampler. Okay. Yeah, he worked. Okay. He worked uh, as a part-time yeah. assistant trainer with Ali for a while, before he became a full-time matchmaker. Top Rank has five people in the, in the Hall of Fame: Bob Arum, of course, Teddy Brenner, Bruce Trampler, Irving Rudd, my boss. I'll tell you about Irving Rudd, my boss. When I was a writer, he taught me how to be a publicist. I covered an Ali fight. I was really nervous about the it. First publicist in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was really nervous about it. I called Irving and said, "Hey." I, I, I got to speak to Ali personally with Angelo. He goes, yeah, they, they know you're coming. They want to talk to you. I was just a young reporter. Wow. So I get off the plane. I said, here? yeah, he's right here. He wants, to, he wants to talk to you. Ali does. And Angelo's next to him. So I, I learned from him, you know, give the writers what they want and don't make a big deal about it. And make it in a light touch, a light way. Hmm. And don't make it, like you're doing him a favor, just you're doing your job. Yeah, and that's what I tried to do as a publicist. <clears throat> so um, I was on that series for three years. Uh, I loved being on that series, and then Bob called me and said, "Yeah, you're doing okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give you a fighter." It was Marvin Hagler. He was my first star fighter, and he came. Um, I said, "What are we doing? We're fighting Leonard." I said, well, <laughs> okay. So he said, "Go to Palm Springs and set up a training camp." And we had a, outside the hotel, we had a, uh, a covered ring and people from LA would come. It, it packed yeah. every day with fans. And, and, I, and I learned that all my years that top teams are very, actually very small. Mm. Fighter plus a couple of trainers mm. and two or three sparring partners. Mm. And I worked with Goody and Pat Petronelli, beautiful people. Yeah, the brothers. And at, at that time, they didn't have a whole lot of concern for Leonard who was coming off some what, sur- eye surgery? Uh, and, uh, detached retina, yeah. just some rust, just some layoff. He knocked down his previous fight or and something. And when, he, when he, he, he tried to come back against Howard, and he was knocked mm-hmm. down, I believe, in the fourth round, he went at the press conference and said, uh, there is no more comeback. Yeah, so in, in that camp... Kevin they, Howard. In that camp, they were talking more about fighting... They weren't concerned about Leonard, but fighting Donald Curry next. I remember that. Because uh, he was that, unbeaten welterweight. That, that never happened, and they were pretty right. close to that. Curry was selling... Also, uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Pepino Cuevas at one time. Yeah. It never happened. But... Uh, um, Curry was selling 15, he was our fighter, he sold 15,000 tickets a fight. It, it, no one's done that in Texas since him. Um, so, um, even though I thought we won, and we didn't with Hagler. No, we both got inducted at the Nevada Hall of Fame, and I asked Rich Murata to sit us together with our wives, yeah. because things happen in camps, as you know, mm. no one knows, right? Guys yeah. get knocked down and stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot, of things, a lot of lot of quiet lot of things, things happened that yeah. fans Injuries, don't know. Personal, writers family. never know. So I sat with him and I just said, "Why'd you quit?" And he says, "I, you know, I made I made almost like twenty million my last fight, and I felt pretty healthy, and uh, that was it. I'm done. I've had tough I had tough fights before I got the top rank, and then 
I, I don't know if they'll live long. You know, when he walked away, he reminded me of Michael Spinks. So Michael Spinks walked away, even though he got knocked out in the first round by Tyson. He still had some fights out there. They tried to set it, it, up him and Holyfield. You know what? Training is harder than the fights. Mm. You know that. Training is harder than fighting. When you see what Jose Ramirez goes through every day, the hard sparring. I'm talking about extreme sparring, not light sparring. We were not, just talking not, about that. Not tactical sparring. No. Sparring against young kids who want to take them out. Mm-hmm. Okay, and all the stars have to get through that stuff, and um, and, and which leads me to Ramirez. Uh, there's bigger fights ahead of him. Yeah, yes, there is, and, and I'm smiling when, when you say that because uh, we had the the privilege of honor. We we actually we broadcast there when we we're at Ramirez's. I'm, I'm sorry, at Robert Garcia's gym about two and a half weeks ago, mm-hmm. and Robert says, "Hey, you see that fight right there?" He was looking at him. They're not sparring. And he goes, look at him close because these sparring partners would come at Jose very tough in the first round. Then after when Jose would kind of touch him up a little bit, then they were kind of giving high fives afterwards. They got that respect. And yeah. Does it concern you that that Freddie Roach is in the other corner? (laughs) I mean, there's a there's a concern. There's a concern there. But but my main concern is Jose Ramirez is in my corner. And, and he and he's right. fighting. That that's that's what it boils down to. I have a Freddie Roach story. Okay, let's hear. So it. one time we're in Texas, and I said, you know, you think you're a hot shot and stuff, but nobody nobody really knows you. We're gonna walk in that Starbucks. I bet you no one says a freaking word. Oh, you told that to Freddie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we walk in a Starbucks, a little town in Texas. He walks in, Freddie. You know. Let's <laughs> <laughs> call it like three seconds. I, what the hell is this? <laughs> Freddie's uh, a, he's, uh, he's an iconically right? recognizable Any, image. anywhere. Yeah. He is. He is. He is. Uh, he fought. He fought for top rank, and he he would fight anybody anywhere. He was a really really tough guy. Yeah. And when his career came to end, he worked for Eddie Futch uh, as assistant trader. When Eddie passed away, then he he got those fighters that Futch was training. Yeah. And he is, he's one of the greatest. Now, I will say this, Freddie Roach, every time we went to Wildcard, he opened up his gym, him and Marie, mm-hmm. and actually he has a picture of Richie in his gym. He don't uh-huh. put up too many pictures, but he has a, yeah. he had three pictures right by the light of Richie, the, the whole thumbs up, and yeah. Freddie's class act, man. He sure is. So he's going to be cornering uh, the opposite, opposite, opposite Ramirez. So, yeah. so as Jose's current coach, you'd have to think right out the gate, Let's we have to come up with something that you aren't used to doing. Like you would have to, just, even if it's your like in the pocket, ace in the hole kind of thing. Like if maybe if you're losing, we're like, okay, th- that's the last couple of rounds. Throw this at the kid. Let just throw this I, at him. Not gonna. I, I got a it. different opinion. I think he just sets him up for the hook. I think, yeah. I think fighters know how to feint. You you fight. If you watch Lomachenko, he basically tries to twist and turn you in the best position. For, mm-hmm. Like get you to follow when, him. When Lomachenko fought time with top rank. He asked Bob, he told Bob, I want to fight for a world title fight, my pro debut. And Bob yes. said he would try to do it. Yeah. And they, they didn't give him a, a champion. They gave him a 25 and one guy, Jose Gonzalez yeah. from Mexico. And in the middle of that fight, he hit him right here in the chest, a heart punch. And the guy dropped like that. I, I went in the ring. I said, why'd you throw that? Because it's unexpected and it hurts. He also told me this. I never show all my punches in one fight. Do you break someone's spleen? When, when I go into fight, I don't want to go 12 rounds. I'm looking for a way to stop him. Yeah. I don't want to go 12. I'm going to get get that guy out of here. And uh, Like against Walters, he hit him at Temple. Yeah. When I got in the ring, Walter said he didn't know where he was. I said, I, what's going on? He just blacked out. Because he hit him right here mm. in the temple. Hit yeah. the computer reset button. Yeah, exactly. Like if you hit him in, him in the temple, it would do the same effect. Yeah. 
You, it's, it, it's like getting knocked out. It's that reset button, man. You'll wake up right, and be like, right here, here. Back there, somewhere back right by your behind jawline, the, behind by the, the ear too, right? Behind the ear is pretty bad. It's like you, you just pull your back battery back out of your neck, you know? Kind of. It's just hey, where your nerve endings. I have a question for you guys. That, sure. that punch that Hopkins put on De La Hoya, that, that punch oh, in the back. Oh, body what, shot, yeah. Was that really that devastating? The kidneys? That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. You, you can't They'll breathe, take it right down. Yeah, hell yeah. You can't breathe. It's like getting hit. It's, well, no, I, I'd say it's not quite as bad as getting hit in painful. the liver, but it, it's, it, it's, very it's right up there. So fighters try to, they, they try to get that punch in, right? They try uh, to get it behind you, or no? I don't say that I, often. MMA is a little different. I think everyone's targeting base is a little different. You'd probably see it more in boxing with maybe dirty boxing. Yeah, maybe guys trying to get away with it. That's what that little, the whole harness goes all the way around for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, our matchmakers, for example, and they have a young fighter. Uh, Bruce Trampler and Brad Goodman, they'll give them six or seven wins, and then they run a, they'll run a guy like five and five from Philly or Denver, who's really dirty. Yeah, exactly. You got to dirty and him you up, got, man. And you got to you have to beat those kind of fighters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the fighter's record is. The matchmakers watch. They know every fighter, every young fighter, tough guys. He could be he could be three and eight, but he can be tough as hell. Oh, actually, actually right? I'm gonna right. I'm gonna tell you a story about that. We're gonna take a commercial break and we're gonna come back. The Boys. Hi, I'm Jose Ramirez. I'm Bob Aaron. Hi, I'm Robert Garcia, and I'm with the Fighters Voice. The only radio show knocking out the competition. The Fighters Voice Radio. Ladies show. and gentlemen, we're back. The Fighters Voice, the only voice that matters, knocking out the competition. Listen, we got a whole entire show, second half coming at you, man. We're going to dive right in with our guest, Mr. Lee Samuels. We're going to talk about how he got employed by Top Rank Boxing. Did he fill out an application? The mic is all yours, my man. How did we make that connection with Bob Arum and get employed by Top Rank? Well, and where did I, you start I covered um, boxing for a few newspapers, uh, first in South Jersey. I work, I work for a, a great person named Bob Shryock, and I covered a fighter named Mike Rossman, the Jewish bomber who lived, lived in Washington town. And then while I was working in Woodbury, he was fighting on the undercard at Madison Square Garden. And I saw my first world champion, Rodrigo Valdez, come to the ring. And when you see a champion, it's different than you've ever seen. You know, his outfit, the way he strolls into the ring, Mm. full of confidence. And I said, oh, my God, you know, this this is really something. At the Garden, too. I got a chill just talking about it. And um, so from there, um, there was an editor named Bob Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. He hired me at the Camden Courier Post. And then I started covering some of the Philly fighters, Mike Tinley, Machine Gun Mungin, you know. And then uh, I was also, at that time, going through the Pelts era, with Benny Briscoe, uh, okay. uh, Cyclone Hart, uh, Kitten Hayward, uh, you know, all those fighters that Pelts had. Pelts rolled, probably rolled the middleweights for a decade there. And Hagler was brought in to fight all, almost all those guys because Hagler couldn't get fights, you know, being left-handed and being yeah. really good. The only guy who would book him would be Pelts, and they would do 15,000 people to spectrum. Yeah. That was a, a great error to to cover boxing. So and stay on that air just a second. Was it difficult uh, for a Southpaws to get a fight in that era? No one wanted Hagler, but Peltz booked him against his guys because he knew he knew what he would get sell out crowds. Yeah. Hagler was a really high high end performer. Yeah, and uh, he, he made all his money with Top Rank, his big money, yeah. millions of dollars. 
And he, went, and he actually went commercial after the Tommy Hearns fight, and that's when it really spilled over. He started going into they, they really, talk shows, for some commercials. Reason, and I don't know why, but Hearns really didn't like him for some reason. I don't know. You know, they, they, it was for real. Oh, that was for real? Cause yeah. I, I know that stare down was for real because during the national anthem, he was still trying to mad dog uh, Marvin. Yeah, Henry. there's a, a book came out. It's very rare for an author to get inside our uh, our business and with accuracy you know it was uh, a book called four kings by george kemble and like ne- negotiating for haggard leonard and all those details laid out are accurate yeah I'm, <laughs> it's I'm sure very they it's, are. i'm telling you it's very <laughs> rare to have a an author of a book have a, everything straight. And, well, uh, when it comes to specific deals of things of that nature, I imagine it'd be really he hard. Was, to he get was the very close. To, it, was, it was a different era then, where yeah. print was king, Sports Illustrated was king mm. in the seventies and eighties. It was really a big deal. And, uh, and Aram is a, a big arena opponent. Uh, you know, starting his first fighter was Ali. Yeah. You know, so he's we've always been a big arena company. He, he makes big fights. He does what it takes to make it. Even though you, you may say today he can't do that, he can. No, yes, he can. <laughs> he can no, do. Y- yes, he, he can do. He can do. He and Todd DeBuff can do things you don't think are possible, but which means you're going to see our top stars fighting other companies' top stars. Mm. You're going to see it right now in this in this age. Not only, and I'm not saying it because you're our guest, is top rank in full throttle control of the whole boxing atmosphere. When Bob Arum shows up, it's like Don Corleone, man. I mean, it really, oh, yeah. it, no, it really, really is. I mean, he well, just he, comes he, in there. He can and say just... uh, something as simple as this: Matt Lomachenko. He reminds, reminds me of Ali. Just one sentence. It mm. goes everywhere, right? And he has the ability to heighten a fighter. Exactly. He, ha- he can say certain things about a fighter. It becomes gospel because at that point. he was with our, our company starting in '63, and Ali was our first fighter and um, he, he's, we've been through it all Great, the greatest stars you can think you know I, I, I've been really lucky you've been lucky you've been blessed you got the, the I mean, greatest job living, in the world and not only not just the fighters but all the top media uh, there's a lot there's no night like fight night you know mm, that yeah. there's no it's a different in energy. any sport in any sport in the world there's nothing like the night of a big fight at ringside, and I always like to be at ringside with the writers, as you know. Yeah. And um, there's no, there's not there's no feel like it. You, know, to, when you finally get to that main event, you've been working on for months. You know, and, uh, it's pretty exciting. Speaking of that, Las Vegas, the press conference, um, Crawford, uh, Bob Air made the comparisons of he reminds me of Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, there you go. He said that. Yeah. So, yeah, he has that, a way of doing actually, that. And, and, and you believe it because who said it? The man himself said it. You Terry's know, you, you guys are a boxing guy, and you know more than I know. I, I, I just think Crawford's unbeatable. I know it sounds stupid to say, but I just see he's the most well-put-together fighter I've seen in a long time. He's very well put together. He's smart. He's I a mean, student of the game, and uh, he's when, living when he, a clean when, life. When he was a little boy... He uh, wasn't when he's an amateur. They, they would come up and say, "Hey, this you're fighting a, a 12 and 0 guy from LA or something." He says, "No problem," you know. Or he's twice as big as you are. No problem, you know. He uh, he was a tough little boy. He but he had people who helped him, you know, yeah. become. There, there are always people behind a fighter who 
who get him where he is. Back onto to top rank. Once once you started there, you started off as a publicist. Yeah, correct. And now your role is that you say well, I'm a, is, I'm a is it safe I'm to a say? Coordinator now. Yeah, you're more hands on with the fighters because ESPN's very intensive with interviewing interviews with fighters in different locations and. It's a big, it's a big deal with ESPN. They want to be, a, they are a big player yeah. in, in the sport of boxing. And I find, I found out by signing on ESPN Plus how easy it is, and not just boxing but all sports. It's, it's an amazing, and and this the image is just so clear. Like we were, we were doing a show. Um, I think we we're in Oklahoma City, and Colin was fighting in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our guys had a laptop. You know, streaming is where it's at. Yeah. You know that. I mean, my my kids, my grandkids are six and eight, and they don't watch TV. They watch uh, Netflix, Hulu, mm-hmm. because it's uh, video on demand. Or yeah. Streams on demand. T- TV's like becoming a dying, like a dying right. platform. Because, and and so, all my, none of my kids have cable. They have Netflix, Hulu, and an ESPN app or package or something mm. for twenty dollars a month. Yeah. Or I pay right. two fifty for. 2,000 channels, which I, <laughs> that I, you probably, never watch. I watch five. Exactly. And um, in fact, my cable is probably being disconnected as I'm talking right now. Oh, it probably <laughs> but, is. By the kids. I'm twisting and, it uh, off somehow. And I think, you know, there, um, there's a lot to offer with the streams and, what, and what's happening to how the sport's evolving. But I also think this is that, you know, with Bob and Todd, we can do anything. They, they can make the biggest matches. You know, mm. happen. Supply the product correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, check this out, Cole. Let me explain something to you. You got all these other companies, and and they're all fighting. To be honest, they're all fighting to be number two. Yeah. This, well, no, we, we, that's it, the reality it, it, of it. Because you guys control it right now, and everybody is dreaming of signing and being mm. their next star or the next person on top ranked boxing it's a great, and ESPN. Yeah. It's a great time to be a fighter. Yes, it is. <laughs> Lots of advantage, yeah. yeah. Financially, given, too. Given if a decade you're, if ago. you're a fighter, it's a great era to be in. Although the 80s were fantastic. Let's talk about the 80s. What fight in the 80s stands out besides Tommy Hearns and Leonard in 81? Oh, man. So many. Uh, well, our, our biggest fights were the ones, the fights I mentioned. You know, Hagler Leonard, uh, De La Hoya Chavez, uh, the fight of the of the millennium, you know, uh, Trinidad and Oscar. Yeah. They were they were major major yeah, promotions. Those were huge. They, they were they were the biggest promotions that we did. And, and, Bob, and by the way, we didn't win any. I don't think. Well, well you were not awarded any. I yeah. mean, some. I mean, because yeah. um, Bob, those fights were made because Bob Arum. Because mm-hmm. it was dealing with Don King with something else. Because Bob Arum said, "Okay, let's do this. Let's get the fight made." He made the fight happen. He could have stood on on his on his side of the fans, but he mm-hmm. goes, "No, let's give the fans what they want." The fight was and, more and important did. than what it, he exactly, wanted. Yeah. Exactly. We thought because, we thought Hagler Leonard was massive. And oh, was. that was huge. Yeah, that was huge. I had to pay twenty five dollars. I had to go see it at a big screen. I went, actually went to Selling Arena. It was on a Friday. Yeah. yeah. Man, the days where the Selling Arena could could charge to show yeah. an event like now it's it's everywhere. Yeah. You go to your wing stop. You go to. Well, actually, anywhere. I paid twenty dollars and I stuck down to the twenty five dollars seats, but it was still, you know, I had to get down there, man. <laughs> and also the the closed circuit, they brought that back for the De La Hoya uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Yes, I, I came back. I was at the Hilton working, and I, they called me back to work that show. How true was that that premature cut that Chavez had? Uh, that I don't I don't know. I was I was assigned to Oscar. I wasn't with Chavez. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I know. But I think Debbie Kaplan was. Okay. Working, working with him. Okay, so oh, by the way, there was there was a lot of rules in that. There were a lot of rules in that promotion. That that was a two week, I think, press tour, and I think um, 
Oscar had to go to the room first before Chavez. You know, he had to be, you know, Chavez was in control. A little prima donna. Yeah. Oh, that's got yeah. a psychological too, though. Like yeah. coming out second versus first. That's all got psychological. I'm going to get my hotel room or, first. You can no, wait. Or, or don't be on the same floor of the hotel and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, and, and Oscar, Oscar just played along with it. Hey, how do you think Pacquiao beat um, De La Hoya? Do you know how? Well, okay. Well, I, I, I can kind of tell you uh, Oscar helped him by coming in a, a little too light where he had no legs. And it was just speed, speed itself. Freddie, I thought Oscar Freddie, would come in Freddie, heavier. Freddie knew something after the weigh-in. He said, uh, I, I, don't, I forget what the weight situation was, but but he could he tell that he was dried out. Yeah. He said, it's done. Yeah. yeah, Freddie told me the same story about the weigh-in. He said, it's done. I knew we won then. Yeah. I knew we had this guy. No, he didn't. No. No. No, he, no, by, he, he, way, he came in under 147 to try to get speed. Yeah, when he could have used his size and imposed his will, but what do I know? No. So Bob has done all these big fights, yeah, and he's not done. He's gonna make more big no, fights. No, he's not done. No. And they're right there. And, and see, here's the thing. I mean, I think I think Crawford Spence is about as big as it gets right now. That that's huge. Yeah, that that's huge. That's very huge. Although Mikey Garcia may, may try to put something in, in the middle of that, and uh, I mean that's why he's training. Well, I give I give Mikey Mikey's a great fighter. Yeah, he fought for us. He's yeah. a great person, and Robert's yeah. the best. You know, the trem- yeah. both tremendous people, and. Um, the way he fought Broner, when Broners are better, Broner, he yeah. walked, he walked him down. He walked like that. This is that's Broner. He walked straight down and fought him. When you fight a Bowie, you go right at him. Mm. Right? You go yeah. right at him. Don't try to jab and stuff and move around. Just go at Pressure. him and fight. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we one night we were at ESPN in LA. We and we put Lomachenko next to Mikey Garcia just to look at it. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Just to see what happens. I like that. Just to give the fans that I didn't know. I, I, everyone said Mikey gets, it was so much bigger, but you put them side by side, about the same height. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It's a good marketing tactic. <laughs> it's a good marketing tactic. <laughs> that's good. That's great marketing yeah. too. Yeah. You can pitch it. Go look. They're about the same size. It's going to be as even a fight as we can offer just, you. They were they're doing interviews for different things. And yeah. Just hey, he's here. Let's hey, just say hello. Exactly. So but we went, we, but we went to see side by side. Mm, what they mm. like. Exactly, and the world got to see it, and they may yeah. not see it again. People I mean, start making their own assumptions at that point. They're like, "Oh well, because Mike the same is size. a free agent, he can kind of move around where he wants to, or at least mm. call for that." Yeah. Anyways, how has boxing changed from the '80s to the '90s? And let's get the whole '90s. How has it changed from the '80s to now? The fighters itself, the athlete himself. Well, there's always big stars in every era, and Bob told us, um, he told our staff, "Don't try to compare." Fighters from different eras. Yeah. It re, it, why, why is that? Different coaching techniques, different um, uh, health, mm-hmm. fighters, fighters or nutrition. Mm-hmm. You're good. You yeah. always try to remember, we've always been talking about that. Yeah. The, the shelf life has extended. It's changed. The from, methods are from, different. From chopping the wood mm-hmm. to the road work to too much sparring. Well, that, to, well, let me give you an example. Sure. Um, Vasily Lomachenko, when he's training. Yeah. He, in the morning from 5 to 7 a.m., he power walks, doesn't run. I asked his father why. He says, saves the knees. From 12 to 2, he swims in an Olympic pool. Different strokes every day. Why is that? His father said, because you need it for endurance. You always train to go the maximum rounds. Mm. 12 rounds, you, you have to train. And then at night, uh, from 5 to 7, he call, they call him high tech for a reason. Uh, uh, he's got all kind of probes on him. And, yeah. And his father's got stuff on his watch and stuff. And mm-hmm. he check his heartbeat and mm-hmm. punch rate and punch, where the punches go. And a couple of times a week, they take him in a room, turn the lights out, like a laptop, 
and they do a uh, you know touch the dots reaction mm-hmm. reaction drill, and he does a lot of other unique things. Uh, this this is this is all new. Yeah. So like remember <laughs> remember Rocky versus Drago? Yeah. Remember all the high tech stuff they were showing? Exactly. None of that existed, but we have it now. Yeah, like exactly. all yeah. the stuff they were using to test it, testing everything, measuring everything, all these rails. So we this have that different. now. This is all different now. Training, it's way the, different. But, but that's why Bob said you can't, you can't compare uh, a fighter from today to a guy in the thirties or forties. Yeah, it's because well, of the opportunity and and what they have their hands on now. Yeah, the evolution of training methods, Absolutely. sparring, just evolution of fight. Like but basketball players always try to say, yeah. well, so and so is better than MJ. Well, you're comparing two entirely different eras of of basketball. Exactly. By the way, I have a question for both of you guys. Because sure. Bob is a unique promoter. He reads a lot. He read about promoters in the 1920s and 30s. I'll ask you the question he asked our staff. You, they were living on their ticket sales, and let's say you had a let's say you had a, a Tommy Hearns or a, a high action fighter for, for your your headliner, Eric Morales Hearns. You know, high action. Yeah. He gets knocked out cold. Okay. What do you do with that fighter? Well, Bob read the books and said, you can bring that fighter right back. Two or three months later, he'll still sell out. Hmm. If if he's a high action fighter, yeah. now if he gets knocked out again, you get a problem. Then yeah, you're but, you're bound. But he so but Bob, Bob, so Bob does things other promoters don't do. He's unique. He's read about how the promoters handle their fighters in different eras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I find it all interesting. They they came out <laughs> to the, with the approach of my guy's bound to lose. It's just get him into the next fight because that's how we make more money again. Exactly. He wins his fight. People are like, hey, it was a, it was it happens. It's boxing more tickets you got some promoters I'm not going to mention and they'll actually ring you out like a towel they'll get every single drop that they can some promoters do spineless and it's, so forth. some promoters have. I've seen that happen multiple times over my time in the sport I've seen it happen yeah. multiple times managers too I have a question for you because our matchmakers when they take a young fighter they'll, they'll run that fighter through every possible style lefty writer hit him he runs hit him he pressures you to get him prepared for a bigger fight. Mm. That, does that happen in, in MMA? Yeah, um, not really because at, we're only really focusing on who that next opponent is. Oh, yeah. And we focus morally on what, because there's so many different variations of things they could be good at. A good wrestler, a good kickboxer, a good boxer, because, you know, things like that. They might have different attributes that they're really good at. So you got to kind of look at what that specific guy is good at and build a, a game plan for him. But you are always always kind of getting more proficient in everything it's just that that eight week cycle for that opponent it's just kind of like what do we do for that guy and then it's back to improving everything as a whole again hey i want to throw some names at you and these are some guys that are on the card and tell me in a short sentence what you think of them and where you see them going with top rank and i'm going to go one guy i'm going to go andy altibaro and vincent who's on the card i love andy i love him He's a great His guy. manager was Herb Stone. Absolutely. Herb, Herb Stone, who passed away about a what, year yeah. ago, Yeah. he would come, this is this, this is what being a promoter is and what and what a manager does. He would come to town every two or three months and we'd go over to win at, uh, at a, a restaurant setting. Yeah. And I just happened to be there with our matchmakers. And, he, and he's pushing his fighter, Andy, and they're talking about different fighters and stuff. And... It, to see this happen, how fights are made, you know, in, in a quiet way, and uh, so, and Herb unfortunately passed away, and it was a big loss for us. He's a sweet man, and uh, 
and Andy misses him. You can tell him by what the gear he wears during yeah, the Yeah, absolutely. And just, Andy just is when he a talks. hardworking uh, contender. Is better days. He'll have big, big, big paydays. That's how I look at him. I, I like him. I, I like him a lot. Blue he, collar. He, and he's a good person. Yes, he is. I'll tell you something. Um, did, you, did you go to his funeral, Herbstone's funeral? No, 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 I, no, I, I, I didn't. Yeah. And um, I know that was like uh, the who's who in boxing were, were all there. Yeah, but I, I think I think when you look at this card, it's a must win for Ray Beltran. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. He's in, in uh, the guy he's fighting, Okada. Mm-hmm. He's handled by a dear friend of mine. We saw Okada on the way over here. Yeah, his name is Lauren. Looking nice and trim and ready. He, his name is Lauren Goodman. My daughter writes uh, children's books, and and she got rejected for a couple of times, and she got really, really, uh, really discouraged. So I uh, had Lauren talk to her, because he, he, he's also a writer uh, of books and magazine stories mm-hmm. and stuff. And he and he got some things for her to look at, and it really helped helped her. Good. So there's a there's a lot of things happening in the hotel you guys don't know about. I'm sure it's not always it's not always boxing talk. Yeah, I'm sure Cole yeah. can tell you some events. Being a fighter, and he can tell you a lot of things that happen in the hotel that he probably can't say on radio. But there's yeah. a lot of things that can. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of like. Uh, Talk about strategies and stuff. It's Absolutely, really, it's it, it's interesting. You get the yeah. uh, trainers together and stuff. I've seen and fights no, made no, in no, an elevator. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, you know, all these top trainers talk to each other and mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, there's different kind of training methods and stuff. And they, they they get along. I've I've seen a lot of fighters uh, trainers hang out at the MGM. Yeah, I want to talk about Andy real quick. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. I was contacted by um, the 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 prison, and they said Richard. Can you get a hold of a fighter that can come in and say a positive speech to, to, to the inmates? A lot of them are going to be graduating. They're going to be, you know, a second shot. And right away, I'm thinking, okay, I'll contact this guy. Or I'll contact this guy. And I said, you know what? I'm going to contact somebody who walks the walk mm. and talks the talk. Not just talk mm. the talk, but is a champion outside of the ring. And that's Andy Vincent. See, that's a lot. Of, we couldn't get cameras in there. So he couldn't get the real recognition of what he does. But he went down there. He made this positive speech, got a standing ovation. The warden was all over him, and he just made an impact. And he said, Richard, it wasn't the impact I made on them. He's, he said, Richard, it's the impact they made on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took that to heart, man. And I want to say that Andy, Andy Vincent's is a class act. And that's what be actually be coming to the studio on Friday. Yeah, there's a, you know, treat people the way, the way they treat you. A- absolutely. And then that's a good way to live. So, yeah, absolutely. So it's, a, it's a fair way to live. That whole philosophy of treat people, it's like, just treat them good. Like, it doesn't just matter how fair. you want to be treated. Just treat people good, and they'll either treat you good or they won't, and it just shows what they what kind of character yeah, they have. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So. I mean, like, like the story, okay, if Jesus came in a robe, you're going to say treat him like he's Jesus. Mm. Well, what if Jesus didn't come in a robe? If he came in the form of just somebody saying, hey, do you know what? homeless guy knocking on do, your door. Do, do, you, do you know what time it is? Mm. Or do you know where I can find this store? Or, hey, do you have a minute? What if he came in that form? I mm. think we'd all be in trouble, to be honest with I you. I think, you know, f- from working different eras, I, I think these these fighters of today are just more into it. I mean, as far as meetings and strategies. Mm. And, well, they've, and, uh, and, and, and the, they've been 80s, groomed. 80s was, was a tough era. Yeah, they've fighters, been more groomed to the importance yeah. of it in the future. Of, the of social value. media. Yeah. They, they have social teams with them. Exactly. A lot, of, a lot of the fighters we're talking about have their own social teams and they promote themselves. The monetary and, value. And that's key. That's where it's at. And, and, and Cole was just talking. We have a lot of young fighters coming on here, Lee. And they're talking about, well, I don't got this, I don't got that. And, and, and uh, Cole would say, well, bro, you got a cell phone. Promote listen, yourself. Listen. In this day and era, you can do anything you want to do. I met um, a, a guy, um, a father came to me with his daughter, and 
she says she wants to be a writer. I said, no problem. And this is a great country we yeah. live in. No, there's nothing. I traveled the world. There's nothing like this country. N- nothing's no. remotely yeah. close to As far as the it. spectrum of things are they, that are at your fingertips. That, yeah. the, the fact that we're speaking here today, doing this today. Openly. You can't do it in a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, she said, I want to be a writer. And I said, well, write some stories. And she says, how, how do I get noticed? Write some stuff on Facebook, your Facebook page. Write some stories. And stuff. Hmm. I told her, buy the Sunday New York Times and read about there's a lot of good stories, a lot of interviews of fi- of writers. Yeah. How they, uh, you know, uh, uh, get their niche going with a yeah. certain... How they got the foot in the door. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my daughter had a situation where she she, uh, she got rejected twice for her, her children's books. So yeah. I took her to New York with me and met all the writers, authors, and... and uh, they said they laughed at her and said, hey, I got rejected 99 times in my... You kept getting, yeah, keep yeah, going, yeah. yeah. So you gotta keep going, and plus today you can print the order, and you, you can promote yourself and do. And the writer said you, the top places are Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble online. That's where people buy books. Yeah, we were selling mine on Amazon yeah. for a while, and I was then Walmart. To say, yeah, I mean it's the social media thing's this big that UFC has whole conference meetings with yeah. their fighters, like like summits where it's like, guess what? We're gonna walk you through how to make a Twitter. We're gonna we're gonna get your Twitter verified today with the Twitter staff. They're well, going to verify yeah, it. That's that's true. When the fighter joins us, he he becomes part of our social team. Yeah, exactly. We have, we have a big social team coming into this fight. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, good, good. Did you see what I posted today? Mm. Co Escovito as a guest on the Fighter's Voice. Oh yeah, the old uh, the the memory one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you were the second guest I had. I think I think maybe yeah. We were talking about how it was just branching. You were just starting. You're just branching out I had, to it. I had Cole on as a guest. Yeah. And I had told him I said, man, I mean, we just kind of got along. And before that, we we did a, a a fight together, MMA fight together. And I didn't know who he was. They just said, hey, Richard, you're gonna ring it out, slash, you're gonna go down there, and you're gonna commentate this MMA fight. Well, I'm glad I didn't know who he was because I probably would have held my tongue on some of the MMA moves. But I did, and he said, hey, you know how long you've been doing this? There was collaboration there. Brought him on as a guest, which you know how Facebook they give you that memory. I posted it again, and now he's the co-host because that collaboration, good, good, yeah. good dialogue, Billy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think Rick Murigan's one of the best promoters we have. I think he's good at what he does. Yeah, I think he's good at what he does because. Um, to me, he has a whole ton involved in a fighter. Yeah, yeah, he that's does. Hard, get, he does. Know. He does make it a good move to get as much local support as human. Because realistically, his goal is: if I can't get the local support, I'll never be able to bring an event here for my guy. Yeah. And the, once you have local support, the promoter now starts going, "Okay, well, there's ticket sales. Pr- yeah. Support equals ticket sales. And if you've got a whole yeah. town supporting you, Samar Center." Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. And so, his, his story, he said he used to drive by there when he was younger and said, someday mm-hmm. I'm going to fill that out. Yeah. I'm no, yeah. Full. Once they built the Save Art Center, I'm and, sure and, Rick and had I dreams. Know, did you ever hear a story on how he started promoting? No. He used his college fund, right? He used his college fund. He got his college intuition. And I may be a little off on it, Rick. And he said, you know what? Because he went to a house party and he started doing the math, $5 to get in. He started counting the heads and he goes, I need to throw a party. <clears throat> so he didn't have any money to throw a party. So he got his college tuition put it in a party, doubled it, and then later on tripled it. And I said, well, why do it in the house? Let's do it in the club. He said he promoted a, a, a club. It blew up. He was only 20. He couldn't even walk in there, to the, but he was promoting from outside because he wasn't 21. And he just said he just kept flipping it and flipping this, it. This is Rick? Rick Murray, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Rick's been doing this type of lifestyle and, and promoting different businesses in general for 
far back as I can remember, mm-hmm. even before and, and, I was and, fighting and he him. he has promoting. a plan, and he has a plan for retirement. I happened to just sit in there, and he started talking to a, a colleague of mine, and I was thinking, it started getting deep. I started thinking, should I personally excuse myself or just sit in there and be quiet mm. like a fly well, on the wall? when it comes to conversations like that, yeah. if they don't look at you go, excuse me, Rich, could you give us yeah. a minute? They know you're there. But but let me, after the conversation, Rick goes, okay, Rich, you're over there ear hustling, so that'll be $25 an hour. Do the math. That's 150 because yeah, I gave you a consultation. Exactly. And he turned around. Right. He was joking, but yeah. he made the point, yeah. right? Because yeah. he was just giving somebody a, a private seminar. Yeah. Speaking, On how to do a business deal, it, like it, first class. It, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of private seminars, man, and I don't know how we can connect the two, let's talk about the youngest ever. How that signing was with Gabriel Flores Jr. from Stockton, California. Yeah. And I heard you. I heard the words come out of your mouth one time, uh, Lee. You said, he's one of the hottest prospects out here. Yeah. You said that in Fresno about two of Jose's fights ago. Yeah, we're going to learn more about him uh, uh, on Sunday. Uh, he, he, he has, he's had the opportunity. Yes, yes. I think to get where he wants to go. Yeah. Yeah, and we're excited about him. We're, we're excited about a lot of fighters with score. I like, I like, I like a Citro Ochoa too. I'm glad you brought him up. He was next he, on my he, list. I think he's a high action fighter. I, I saw him at his workout the last time we were yeah. here. I, li- I like him a lot. And Saul Rodriguez, um, good young fighter. You have to have, you know, a, a lot of young fighters. Yeah. Right. You know. You do. You have to have fighters way, when you, to replace when you're your a promoter, stable. When you're a big like Bob and Todd, right? Yeah. You look for fighters every day. Mm. We're looking for heavyweights every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Yeah. The, the search never stops. Well, yeah, because the sport's it never, never stopping. stops. No, they're there. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Every time there's a birth, do, something happens. We don't care mm-hmm. what country you're from. If you yeah. can fight, we have interest. Yeah. Well, I mean, I there's. Mean, look, look at the fighter of the year, Yusik. Okay. Right? Look mm. at him. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. If you can fight, we have interest. Like right happen. now, there was a guy that was born that 10 years, 20 years from now yeah. will be a bell holder. Exactly. Be- because the sport never or stops. Or a gold medalist. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. the sport never stops. Or the next Bob Arum. Bob, yeah, the next major promoter, the yeah. next the next heavyweight champion. I mean, they're always out there. Yeah. That's the the beauty for that, that you always have to be shopping. Yeah. You always have to be looking for the next. Because there always is the next. Yeah. There's the next Connor. There's the next Mayweather. There's the next Canelo. There's the next Triple G. There's the next uh, De La Hoya. There's always does, the does, next does, one. Doesn't stop. Yeah, the sport, until they stop making boxing, until boxing just says, okay, boxing's no more, we're done. Find something else to do. There's always going to be, because they always want to compete. They're always going to want to be that next guy. It's just I, I, I asked human Bob nature. one time, we'll, we'll always have boxers? Yeah, we'll always have boxers, and, and there'll be people who want to see boxing. They want to see them compete. It's not going to go away. It's going to be. It, it, All you can do is just uh, help help instill the purity of the sport in the in the public eye, and it will just get better and better and better because they'll start to trust it more. Yeah. They'll believe in it more. They'll be like, "Dude, that was a fair fight. I want to watch the next one." The more that you have, the just it just gets better. And that goes for all sports, not sure. just boxing. All sports. Anytime there's a question, it leaves a sour taste in any sure. fan's mouth. Sure. Wait, wait, wait. Anything Bob does, and Bob can say what he what he wants. Yes, he he said it when the fight but, was canceled but, but, with, with the no, other but he, other fighter. He, he takes a walk down to the matchmaker's office and <laughs> say, "Where are we at with this fight?" <laughs> no, no, exactly. Well, well, do you remember when Jose's, when line. Jose's he um, said, no, he says it. Yeah, Jose's opponent. You know, he he collapsed trying to make weight. Yeah, and Bob, he didn't have somebody else go say it. He stepped up to the podium and he said, "Unfortunately, right?" He says, "This fight's being." Um, canceled the main event is being canceled because of no, and, no, and they start and, and they started booing and what did he say he said what the hell are you booing for 
He goes, this is what happened. This, who can say that? But Bob Arum. Yeah. And he told him, straight yeah. what the hell are you guys booing for? Booing. We still got a fight and card. Yeah. Andy and Benson's going to be moved up to the main event. We, we, and he moved some things around. We never had any inkling that that fighter was overweight. No, however, no. however, when the ambulance crew goes up to, to his room and the fight's over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's done. You can't. You, you can't. can't. If, he's, if he can't. If he's suffering that much. But you would never think that at the press conference, the workouts, or nothing. It's just those we, last we, we, pounds. We, we didn't know anything. No. They like, probably did. They know, probably you know did. Yeah. The, 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 the camp it? probably knew. We started talking what's about it, that. Yeah. Was it like the last couple of pounds is the toughest? Yeah. The last like five pounds are usually the hardest to shake because you're literally asking more from your body than you have to give. What? As far as, especially if your body count fat slow, like if you like got like fight 8%. Week, fight week can be heavy or? Um, I'm usually at about 10 to 15 pounds, about a week and a half out, but usually like 10 of that's water weight. I just shed that through the week, start dehydration methods, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. But they're changing it. They're changing like you can't be. Uh, a certain percentage over does like a weight like you weigh in it this much if you weigh so much more the next yeah. day you get in trouble because that says that you cut too much yeah like a 24-hour relapse period they'll measure your weight and go okay you're only like two percent back up you're fine but if you hit like 10 percent or something they're like we have a problem you cut way too much i, I can so. guarantee you this if, if you have a main event fighter heavy at the weigh in your, your promotion is done you're done yeah, no you t- got to kind of... No, no, no more tickets. How, you got to be on, yeah. on them. Like, hey, Mikey, what's up? How much you weigh today? Oh, yeah. I'm 265. You're too fat. Lose two pounds. I want two pounds gone by the... Remember, your fight's on the line. If you yeah. don't make weight, bro, we don't have a fight. Like, exactly. you got to be on them. On and, you, and, and like you said, the main event fighter, and you don't get second chances. Mm-mm. All that work, all those years, all that, and it comes down to sometimes uh, mental. Mm-hmm. But to but to boo, like when you get a whole crowd that boos like yeah. that when he says the fight's canceled, that same mentality... Yeah. It's the same mentality that they have when you're stuck in traffic and you're super late and you're stuck in a traffic jam and you're like, man, somebody better be freaking dead. And you drive by and it's a horrific car scene where somebody's probably dead. And you're like, God, I feel like such a shoe. That was that message that Bob was trying to convey to them. Like, what are you yeah. booing for? There's a guy that's hurt. Yeah. He's met, he's physically no, he said, hurt. He said, what the hell are you booing for? Yeah, like, what are you booing for? We still have a card. <laughs> he, he was in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, go, this guy's in the hospital because he yeah. was trying to cut too much weight to put on a show for you guys and you're booing him. We still have a card. Like, that was what he was trying to illuminate. Like, he's in the hospital, guys. And also what I'm saying is when he said that, those boos stopped. Oh, yeah. Because you know they instantly realized, yeah. oh, The situation right. was, we never... We're told there was an issue. Mm-hmm. The no. team was around us saying, like, everything. It's not like you knew. It's not like you just no, waiting to drop know. that bomb. It's like, we just found out, guys. First of all, a team is not going to tell you anyway, right? No, hell no. They're not, they're not going to hey, make sure they push it to the last absolute second so because this, that's what so he wants. The team is going to push his fighter because yeah. if you tell the promoter, he'll freak out. Oh, yeah. Well, then, then that and they want to buy as much time for their fighter. They're like, give them, like, let's buy an hour. All we need is an hour. Buy them an hour to recover, and we'll be good. Let's just get to tomorrow. Exactly. Speaking of buying something, let's pay our bills off. Take us to commercial break. So let's, let's pay those bills. Let's pay those bills real quick, and then we'll get it out, guys. Okay, guys, remember, Dying Breed, we've got our hats here. Remember? Yeah. They sent us some speaking gear. Speaking of hats, this is yours. Yeah, the I fighter's, get a fighter's voice, voice hat. The official hat. Official hat. And this is yours, too. Size extra large. The fighter's voice. So we've got our gear. Body and also, Salazar's. this is yours, too. Thank you. We don't have any before, The do fighter's we? voice in the back. Oh, it's in the refrigerator. Mm. Bobby Salazar's salsa is always member. Catch it in your grocery store, wherever they carry Bobby Salazar's. And, they're a, proud, and they're a proud sponsor of Jose Ramirez. They are. They yes. are di- they direct sponsor of Jose yes. Ramirez. We, so you'll we, see them. We promoted their crusher fight last week. Yeah? That was our show in Dallas. Oh, see? He's all over the place. Yes, he is. And I sent a note to Agus See what sustained firepower can do when you stay on top of a guy. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. The pressure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, Buddy Bagert also. You know? Put a little twist in it. You've never seen the crusher ever throw that many body shots ever in a fight. 
So I will say that. You get a guy like the Crusher that hits you, you're going to need our next in line. He hit his career on line. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he did. Did he? Yes, he yeah. did. That's a dangerous fight, man. Especially yes. when you know your career is on the line. Yes, it is. But when you get punched, you need a doctor. Yeah. Right? Dr. Batista. Dr. They just Batista, call me too. Dr. Good. Did they just do? Yeah, they just called We're going to have them come down, right? I think they wanted to say, Richard, pick up that check for the finest voice on our <laughs> radio show. So we'll have North Fresno Primary Care yes. eventually come down and check us out. And as always, we had Miles Harris here last Miles, week. Gangster. Gangster, attorney. Miles, man. Told you guys. You, yes. don't, you didn't believe us. I don't know. Maybe you just didn't listen. But what we told you guys, the kind of lawyer and personality he has, it's aggressive, it's direct, it's strong, it's confident. It's everything we said it was. So, And as always, Mad Production Studios, I always love seeing this place. Every week, it just yeah. looks better and better. I love it. Mad Lawation behind the screen. Still waiting to yes, see sir. some of this uh, movie stuff you're telling us about, man. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. And as always, thumbs up for Richie Productions, man. The Lightest I'm Bob Aram. Hi, I'm Robert Garcia, and I'm with the Fighters Voice. The only radio show knocking out the competition. The Fighters Voice Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with our closing segment. This segment is called The Last Round. The Hall of Fame, the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls, does not get any bigger than this. And we had a conversation on the on the way over here. Fighters, yes. Trainers, yes. But a man in your position to be recognized because your longevity, my yeah, man. Let's talk about that. pretty rare. Publicists. Um, the publicists are um, Irving Rudd, my boss. Or Mary Goodman's in from King also. But that's uh, all the people in. It's, I'm only the third. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> hey, don't, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure it out. That's what they told me. I said, they said, don't. Don't think too much. It just, You're just, in. just let it flow. Let the muscle I, memory go. I as was they say. I was with uh, Buddy McGirt, who got inducted also. Yeah, he, he was training Crusher, and we were by ourselves. We were talking, and I yeah. said, did you, "Did you have any ideas?" No, he says, "No, I had no idea." We don't know how the how it's done or nominated or voted for. Yeah. And, um, but we do have um, five from top rank, which is the most of any company. I yeah. think it, that. It goes back to Bob Arum, how he put a how, uh, how he puts a company together. Uh, abs- absolutely, and, and, I, uh, and I always, you know, when you work with fighters, you know their families, and they go in the ring. It, it's tough, man. It, it, I know it, it, it's a tough sport. You, you know what? Yeah. Right? It's, y- yes, you it go, is. You go in that ring, man. Only if, you know, only a few can do it. At a, at a high level. You know what was tough is is when you interview these fighters and you both interview the red corner and the blue corner and you see them both with their families and both their families and you already know okay yeah. they're both not going to come out the yeah. same way. I mean, how's that? How's that for you? Because you you don't you're not just a shell. I mean, you you have a personal relationship with fighters. They they love yeah, what you're I, doing I, um, and, and you love them. We had a fighter got beat, uh, Brian Jennings. I, oh, I yeah. like him very much. I know his family. We had a great fight week together. He got beat by a fighter named Oscar Rivas, who was at the fight this yeah. past weekend. Um, and I, I went to the locker room because it had a fight had a bad ending to it. Yeah. And I went back to his locker room and just said, Lee, it's, it is what it is. I can't change it. We just, we just have to move on. That's a, I guess that's how you handle it. That's the mentality but, uh, of a fighter. I've seen some pretty rough stuff backstage. You know, mm-hmm. some losses are just devastating. And... Uh, Leading up to when Marquez beat Manny, that was a rough one. I, I just said when it happened, I, I hope this is not happening in front of me no. because it's pretty bad knockout. Yeah. No, he went down. The way, yeah, the way he yeah. fell, that was that's, face down. That's the nature of the sport. You go in that ring, anything can happen. Yeah. No. I mean, look at look how hard that uh, Jose hits. I mean, mm-hmm. He's yeah. there for one reason, take the guy out. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. He, he, he really doesn't play with a fighter, Jose. He goes to work pretty no, quick. No. <laughs> no. It's like Lomacheco said, I'm there to get him out as quickly as possible. And that's his job. Mm-hmm. And, and you see Jose, and he's just this quiet, he's this quiet, humble person. Yeah, you know, a lot of champions are very, are, are like that. Mm-hmm. They don't got to go chirping. No. They, don't, they don't have to. The no. fight's already signed. We're going to fight. You'd be amazed how some of the greatest fighters aren't really talkers. Yeah. But they go in there and they get the guy out. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to uh, name an old school fighter. And let me know what's the first thing that comes to your mind. He's not necessarily a fighter you promoted or maybe you guys crossed path. It's an old school fighter, uh, Julian Jackson. Tough fighter. Big uh-huh. hard puncher. He went in the ring to, to win. You know, um, you know, it's one thing to go in the ring. It's hard to win. Yeah. I've seen guys in gyms and you say, this guy can't lose. And he gets mm-hmm. knocked out in the first round. Yeah. You know, and or you see him, a guy win 10, 12 fights and then mm-hmm. can't get... When you go from, and you know this, when you go from four to six, that's a big jump. Mm-hmm. Six yeah. to eight, you know, and, you know, eight to 10, whatever. Yeah. When, I, when we hit, we signed Miguel Cotto, Todd DeBuff signed him because he, he thought he had a nice, he looked like a, like a pro style as an amateur. Yeah. When he turned pro at 19... He he was a man. Yeah. He he was he was already yeah. You know you, you could get him tough guys right away. Yeah. And um, another thing I wanted to tell you. One time I went to Arizona with Bruce Trampler. He said, "I talk a lot, as you know." And he says, "Don't say nothing. There's a fight coming out. The last fight of the night. It's a walkout fight. You don't say nothing. You got it." Well, the fighter came in a ring and he was one of the best fighters I've ever seen. He's a four round fighter dazzling speed and and uh took care of his opponent and i said this guy is incredible i said don't talk and the guy's manager came over so how, how did chico corrales look to you bruce oh wow so <clears throat> this this is a walkout fight wow in the arena and bruce says yeah all right you know <laughs> <laughs> wow this is wow. why he didn't want me like saying he's a you know senior yeah. star because you can't tell him yeah. to fight for i was wearing those camouflage shorts but mm-hmm. you see a young fighter with High, high rate punching power and speed and movement. That's where it's at. Yeah. I, I mean, Lomachenko said to say to tell Bob I want to fight for a world title my pro debut. Yeah, that tells you where. That tells yeah. you. Oh, yeah. well, and Bob, at, yeah. Bob agreed because he says he's the most decorated amateur of all time. Yeah. Yeah. One so, loss and he made that up. How many times in the amateurs? Yeah, oh, yeah. But and here, here's the difference with Aram and other promoters. Again, you know, Slito couldn't make weight in Texas. I asked him, um, you look heavy. He goes, yeah, I am heavy. Are you going to make weight? He goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Kept that real, huh? Yeah. I punish his Talk, body. Kidding me? He gets this guy, I'm not making weight. And he fouls him, what, 12 to 15 times, number called. When I went back to Lomacheco's corner with Agus Clemus. Yeah. They never said a word, nothing. No, no protests or anything. They said, we're going to review the tapes. Because he came out like an amateur and then yeah, whatever. And what did Bob do? His next fight, Gary Russell, a feared guy, thirty and O yeah. in Showtime, and Lomachenko did what he had to do. Took him apart. Body body yeah. shots. That's what Aram did. He didn't give him a tune up fight against no. a, a no. five and five he, guy. He, he knew he knew what he had. Yeah. And he, he taught he honestly it, he taught Russell a lesson in that fight. Yeah, he, it, he it wasn't him. it wasn't our. I mean, it was outrageous. You know what happened in that fight against Slito. Outrageous. Yeah. But when you're promoter, you can't do anything. Yeah. The fight's yeah. over. Yeah. And you have to move on from it. It's hard, but... It, and, and then Bob goes, 
don't worry about them. I'll give you a better guy to fight. That's, anyway. that's, that's how Bob thinks. And in that fight. That's, that's different from other promoters. Yeah, exactly. And in that well, fight. I mean, just like other trainers, I mean, Emmanuel Stewart was the only trainer to date to train you for a knockout. He didn't, okay. he didn't train you to go the distance. I think, I, I, think, I think Abel Sanchez is the same way. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, trained, he trains for a knockout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Now, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, right? Like, right. Especially when you're working with a horse. Yeah. And Tommy the type of fighters hands. you have. Too, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah he, he wants to go for it. Uh, with Mayweather's great upper body defense, and uh, he's hard, difficult to hit. Yeah. It really is. No, yeah. The shoulder roll is. It, yeah. and he, he has a small head, too. And nobody else has perfected that shoulder roll but Mayweather. All right. Yeah. I have a question for both of you guys. Sure. So, Bob, one day in the office, he likes to mess around. He goes, hey, guys, who do you think is the roughest, meanest, toughest guy we, we, we ever promoted? The meanest guy destroys his opponents. No mercy. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I could say I could say Crawford. I could easily this, say this, Crawford. This is of all time. Oh, of all time. Yeah, right now I would say Crawford has the most meanest streak that, that, there, this, that you guys This seen. is of all time. I'll say Hagler. Yeah, yeah. Roberto Duran. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. God, I don't forget that. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, yes. I actually he I was said, just. He I was said, just watching some of his fights Aaron earlier. Said he oh, was yes. He was frightening. He's helter -skelter. He said he was frightening in the ring. Yeah, frightening. See, and I was gonna break down the uh, the Fierce Four. Thomas Hearns, because I usually go yeah. my way. I always start from there. Yeah. I was even gonna say Zuma Nelson, but no, uh, no, Roberto Duran was a mean son of a oh, gun. Oh, he's a yeah. tough guy. It's all real. Sugar Ray Leonard said it best. He said, like looking in his eyes was like looking into Helter Skelter's eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It wasn't a fake performance that he was doing. He was. No. That's really how no, he was. No, and Mike Tyson, he respected uh, Roberto Duran. Who was the greatest fighter today? Oh man. Honestly, this is just my personal okay. opinion from who oh, I've today, seen. Today, right now, or all time. Today. Today? Today? Oh, okay. This is just my personal opinion because of who he's gone through is Usyk. Usyk. That's a good pick. That he fought the top at Cruiserweight and he's and he's done it in their hometown. That's very hard to do it. Usyk and then I would put Crawford right behind him and Loma. I mean, see, that's good because I could say who's who's uh, the best, but it's talking about your opposition too. Yeah. And uh, um, not your fighter, but I I can say Carnelo only because of the opposition he's fought. Yeah. I can mm -hmm. say that. I'll go Crawford and Lomachenko. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I go then as, as far as star team. status, yes. But as far as opposition, what's in firm, that's, that's where I try to balance out. But yeah, Crawford would have been my first pick. Yeah. Um, Crawford will fight anybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, he will. Anybody. I mean, he went up to Spence. <laughs> but, but remember this. Champions will fight anybody. They don't yeah. fear. When you're a mm -hmm. champion, you don't fear nobody. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. champion's going to turn a fight down. No. Bob's no, not going to call a champion and say, oh, I want to fight. No. Champions take it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What's one of the fights that that was almost there, but it, but it never came to pass? Name two well, fighters there. I don't know. Well, the rematch of Deloitte and Trinidad. Well, okay. There you go. That stands because that that's for all time. That that never happened. Hagler Leonard never happened. Rematch. No, neither did uh, Tommy Hearns Hagler. Uh, Morales and Marquez. That's my biggest win out of oh, all, everybody at that weight. They all fought each other, but Morales and Marquez. That's very true. Well, uh, again, uh, Kenny Norton didn't fight Joe Joe Frazier. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to I, see that. Happen. I was in El Paso the night that Eric, Eric beat Zaragoza. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the Crusher. I mean, we talked about how that was a um, a career win. You know, but, you but know, he all, kept all, his composure all, all week. All week. Uh, this Alvarez, he looked like a mean cat. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. He looked I mean, like he looked I like mean, a buff Felix Trinidad. Yes. <laughs> at the press conference, he he had a just a just a mean look and frightening actually. Yeah. And uh, in the ring, it's something else. Yeah. And uh, 
Crusher put, uh, changes tactics. He, he went at him. It's hard to go straight out of sustained at a pressure. And at a guy that just knocked you out for yeah. what Crusher did to him yeah. was... Yeah, but why was the fight so different? Because the first fight, Alvarez used that jab and they nothing. Yeah. I, I think he was thinking Crusher was going to go at him and be like, oh, he's going to come to me and I'm going to counter him again. And yeah. Crusher, if you look through that whole fight, he's throwing that right hand. Kovalev is right. Move, move, well, Not move. only was it the different trainer and tactics, I honestly believe that his nutrition, his stamina, oh, yeah, his work. He didn't look tired. No, he didn't look tired. Because he took the same shot in the well, six or seven Manny rounds. Pacquiao did not look tired against Broner. Yeah. He looked 25 years old. Fresh legs. Yeah. And, I mean, it helps when the other guy's not throwing a punch at you either. But, you know, he's still... No, well, he won. He oh, said yeah. he won the fight for the hood. So no, but Pacquiao, Pacquiao was quick as I, as well, he's what, been the last What was years. Tim Bradley's best fight? Tim Bradley's Ooh, best I, fight. Oh, I could put that easy. Marquez, uh, when he went over to yeah. to England, yeah. when he beat exactly. a, when he won the title against yeah. uh, Whittier. But, um, Devin Alexander. Bam, bam. I, I told... It was Marquez the, for me. The night okay. that he beat Marquez, I jumped in the ring. I told Tim and Joel Diaz, you're both going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, that, that was the most beautiful, incredible, high intensity, high intensity fight. And to go from he wrote a Picasso, and I yeah. was rooting for him because uh, Marquez was just coming off the knockout. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the way he went from his victory against Pacquiao, everybody questioned, then to go through that war with Provanikov, yeah. you're probably thinking he might be shopworn. He's gonna yeah. get knocked out, well, and he put on a hell of a fight. Well, talking about painting a Picasso. Remember, uh, Terry Norris knocks out Simon Brown. Now, on the rematch, Terry Norris gave him a boxing lesson, yeah. schooled him. It's hard, it's to make that transition hard, from a rematch. It's hard to believe that the differences in rematches mm -hmm. with the different winners and different styles yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So who adapts the best, honestly. Yeah. Well, he truly believed. Yeah. And let's even talk MMA. I, I like the rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. I mean, just completely different fighter. Yeah. Even when he knocked him down, he said, no, I'm not going down to the ground. Yeah. Well, I'm going and, down and, to the ground at all. And that was still a close fight, but he did just enough to take it. Just enough. I want to talk more about some of our fighters here. I want to talk some more in, a little in depth. Let's talk about Gabriel Flores Jr. Because we talked about him. My whole thing is, you know what I'm excited about? I can't wait till he grows into his man strength. Because mm -hmm. he's a kid. He's still oh, a yeah. kid. No, he's got a... He has a ways to go yet, but yeah. he'll yeah. get there. Yes, I, I truly believe that. What, what do you think of Teofimo Lopez? Love the kid. Wow. Love yeah. the kid. Yeah. I, I tell him all the time. I met him yeah. two years ago here in Fresno, him and his dad. His dad is hilarious. His dad is one of the funny I, people. But, I remember the size of his knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> Just that but, ball right but his, But Teofimo, he, he, is, he is a student. I mean, we're talking. Fight starts. All right, give me a minute. And he's sitting there, and I could see him looking at these guys because they're around his weight class. Yeah. Right, he does this. Okay, he uh, okay. star is born. He, yeah. he he's destroyed every. Uh, who who would give him a fight? Because I think eventually that Lomachenko fight's going to be there. Right now, I would love to see him against Pedraza. That would that's a perfect Pedra test for him. Pedraza's a pretty good fight. Yeah, and that's why I would love to see that. That's a real good fight. Yeah. That's that, that's the fight. And then um, Pedraza. Yeah, that's the. And fight. then if who wins that fight? Lo uh, Lopez. But it's um, it's it's going to be think, tougher. I'm, I'm taking Pedraza. Pedraza takes him beat down I, Beltran. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking I honestly takes think him into deep it, waters. Yeah, oh no, yeah, he'll. he'll it's not going to be a runaway. No, but I think it's going to be the the power of Lopez is going to be the telling sign at the end. He he just don't touch you. Yeah. He touches you. Yeah. And I the mean, thing you're is, out. The, the way you he got hit by a semi. The way he hit Magdaleno to knock him down. Yeah. It wasn't a left hook. He turned southpaw. Yeah. And those were left crosses, and they were deadly. I mean, you yeah. heard the, and then the second one was worse. Yeah. So he. He's getting. He gets better every fight. Same thing that I've told uh, Andy Vences. I've seen him improve in every fight mm -hmm. that he's come out. And the way he fought against De Leon, De Leon was a, a tough, tough, 
hard puncher, and Vince's moved it well, away. I thought he neutralized him. Yeah, exactly. We talked about that. We watched it underneath. It was raining, like pouring cats and dogs. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, and, I and, thought he neutralized. Oh him. yeah, it was, I, we were up there in the press box. I was talking to a couple of the other guys, and they were like, "I thought he would have get knocked out." Like, oh no, Vince's has improved every fight. Yeah, had he taken just that slight risk. Uh, but he was tagging him. I thought he did enough to win the I, I fight. I thought he won the I, I fight. Thought he, I thought he did enough to win the fight. You, you could understand where someone would be like, oh, okay, maybe this. Yeah. But he, he did enough to win the fight. I only eyes. say that because of the outcome. Now, I want to ask you, Isidro Ochoa, he's Fresno's own. I, we were just talking the other day, Lee, and he said, well, I'm Fresno's own. My birth certificate says Fresno, <laughs> California. His whole dream is to win a world title and bring it back here to Fresno as Fresno's documented own with his birthright here in yeah, Fresno, he, California. He has the ability to do that. He does. He's very yeah, slick. Yeah. yeah, very slick. Got some major amateur wins. Yeah, yeah. But it is the ball, Shakur. But yeah. you know, and they talk. They respect each other. They respect each other. So what can we expect? I mean, we got Wednesday. We got the press conference. Let's talk about that. I'm sorry, the media workouts. Let's talk about that. Yeah, the media workouts uh, tomorrow at T- Tachi Palace. I think it's at two o'clock. Two o'clock. Two, yeah. yeah, two o'clock. And all the stars will be over there. You come over, say hello to the guys. That they'll, they'll sign autographs and yeah. be real friendly. Yeah, all the fighters we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be with them. And Thursday, Jose's doing something with the uh, Children's Hospital, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. In Clo- Clovis? Yeah, in Clovis. Yeah, yeah Clovis yeah. Community. Now, Friday will be at the press conference starting at 2 o'clock. Yes. Weigh-ins at Tachi, 3. Tachi Palace at uh, 2 o'clock on Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and there we are. There yeah. we are. And check this out. If you have not bought your ticket yet... Hit up Save Mart Sitter. Go to IG, hit up Rick Merigium, or just hit up one of these fighters, or hit up the fighter's voice. We'll lead you and point you in the right direction. At this point, we got no tickets to give away, but I'm giving you information on how to accumulate those tickets. Get your checkbook, get your credit card. You can pay later on, but right now, you got to be at Save Mart Center on a Sunday. And you're probably thinking, why on a Sunday? Why not on a Sunday? We're off that Monday. Yep. So talk about having your cake and eat it too. We're having it right now, my man. I got one one fighter that's on that card that I'm excited to see in person. Who's that? Genesa, or Genesis Serrania. Oh, yeah. The fight he gave Valdez, okay. I, I, oh, when I seen that, I was like, oh, I've been wanting to see this yeah, guy fight in person. One, that's one fight you don't, you don't want to get. Yes. You don't, you, no. you don't do a rematch with that one. Do you yeah. have the fight card? <laughs> oh, I, I already No, as soon as they announced that he was on there, I was like, oh, there's no way I'm missing that card. What fight is Isidro fighting? Who's the first fight? What time do doors uh, open? Um, I have one, one, right? One or two? Open at... 12, 12, 12.30 in the Oh, my and the gosh. first fight's at 1, right? 1 o'clock first bell, mm-hmm. 4 o'clock ESPN Live. What time's credential pickup? 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock? Probably about 12 something. Isidro, where's he at in the, in the card? I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't want to miss his. I don't know yet. Oh, I don't okay. think they have the card okay. set up yet. No. They, okay. they, you guys no, usually I, get them I, by I, Thursday or Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I went to it and said they were still working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of working on it, man, I want to throw this name out there. Two names right there, and I know we're going we're gonna to wrap it up right now. I, I know you got some things to do, but I'm going to throw this name, and you already touched up on it. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I mention the name Bob Arum? Legend. He, 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 I am because of him. Okay. He, because he hired me, and he's a, he's a genius. You know, uh, he loved Ali, his first fighter. was very close to him, even at the very end. And he cares for his fighters. I, mm-hmm. I can guarantee. Yeah. There's some things you don't know about Bob. After fighters retire, sometimes you know things happen. Yeah. Illnesses and stuff. Bob's yeah. right there to help families and stuff. Yeah. We're, 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 when I was a publicist, we were told not to send anything out. But Bob is very caring. He helps a lot of the fighters in, in need. 
King. On, uh, uh, you know, Gennaro Hernandez, oh, yeah. for example. Oh, yes. One example. Chiquita. One of our favorite fighters is Gennaro. Yeah. yeah. We're, very, we're very close with that family. He was actually a good uh, commentator as well. And mm -hmm. and to show how much that man was respected, remember Mayweather helped put some money in there for his funeral as well because yeah. Mayweather beat him for yeah, the title. For belt. And he would, if you look at old videos of Mayweather when he was young, he talks about, I used to love watching that man fight in L.A. Yeah. Uh, I, he, that, that shows the respect Mayweather had. I remember Larry Merchant made a comment because Mayweather came in with the emblem of the WBC on his shorts. And he says, really? As if to say that, right? But then yeah. he gave him a boxing lesson. Now, how do you you want to be remembered when they mention the name Lee Sam when it's all said and done because I think you're going to be one of those OGs and, and the longevity we talked no, about it uh, is because you're you're able to reinvent yourself constantly how do you want to be remembered in the boxing world just a good person love the love the, love the you get that now Lee yeah. you do everybody <laughs> talk, we, what do we no. say everybody will run into it. Uh, yeah I, no. I mean you could you put your name out there on on someone talks about yeah. Twitter they'll see a picture of you I'll see all the Oh, Lee, lovely. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. the greatest. Oh, yeah. everybody has a story about I think, how I think, great you I are. Think, I think when you care for people, um, remember I was a writer for a long time. Yeah. I was a news writer too. A lot of bad things happen to people. Mm -hmm. Not Boxing's a joy, believe me. Compared, oh, as opposed to, yeah. Compared yes. to, uh, to the real world out there. <laughs> as a writer, but what's the toughest question you had to ask? And you knew before you well, leave this room, you I, had to ask that question. Okay, when I go in the ring and say a fighter got stopped or something, you know, a, a top rank star, you gotta be very, very careful how you talk to that fighter. And I'll, usually I'll just say, what's going on like that? What's happening? And he'll, he'll say, I'll tell you what's happening. You, can, you can't, you gotta be very careful talking to fighters in the ring. If they just fought 10, 12 rounds, there's a lot of things going on if they lost a fight. Oh yeah, uh, uh, the fighter that has lost, yes. Mm -hmm. You gotta be very careful and tell the pure Those, those post-fight interviews need to be conducted differently, yep. uh, being sensitive, professional, well, I'm talking, and I'm with talking, class. I'm talking like right after the fighter fights. And yeah, the, the, inside of the ring. You gotta be, you gotta handle it right. There's a way yeah. to talk to them. Way to talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. But I, uh, when I, when I was a publicist for a top rank, I, uh, for a big promotion, I would, yeah. I would call the fighter ahead of time and try to block out some time each day, like two hours a day. I said, I need some time with you because he's very busy all day. Yeah. And I get once I get that time locked in, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and they pre, they, they want to do interviews. Yeah, they do. They, they do. It. They love it. And they, and they like to open up. I was at a I was at a press conference and um, with another company, and I had a fighter, and the other company goes, "You guys got two questions each." And I, I said, "Man." Mike, he talks all night. I can't stop him talking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well. And I'll tell you why I did, did that. Fighters like to talk. They like to talk about their families and whatever. But I'm going to tell you two stories. And there was a reporter named Michael Baca who mm -hmm. was one of the fighters who wanted to interview a fighter. I said, sure. He asked, and I had met him before, he asked some of the most unique questions I ever heard. So and you have to listen to that. Also, we went to Macau and when I was with Brandon Rios, and he's a tough cat. I said <clears throat> the Chinese media have a different method of interviewing, and I want you to enjoy it. When can I do it? When I do my hand wraps, you know we can do it. Yeah. You know practicing, and so they would ask about family life. <coughs> brothers and sisters, parents. They knew about the fighters yeah. ahead of time. We live in an amazing country. Yeah. Like all the 
fights are televised worldwide and they're they are known worldwide yeah and then um they just get into family stuff and then uh not like left and rights and stuff but yeah. more about the person right he, he really enjoyed it he had a good good time and we're talking about batman reels yeah good no, for, I, I love him no okay well i'll tell you a quick story too we're at robert garcia's gym and he's running around he's being yeah. bam bam oh yeah and when he came on the show he was the true professional with class if you look yeah. at that interview it was oh, yes yeah. sir and just completely the way he handled himself oh, like, yeah. okay the switch is on now we, he told a story about his dad oh yeah I, oh i got a funny story about that i can, can i tell yeah him? absolutely <coughs> hey, this is the yeah. fighter's voice knockout radio show where every fighter so, has a voice including you so when the fight was over with uh pacquiao um i was with his father and he says i need to get to the airport so i'll take you to the airport i always had a, somebody with me from the hotel with me because yeah. I, I, I get lost easy mm -hmm. so i took him to the airport and his father goes can we get a picture with freddie yeah <laughs> no problem remember that was a very heated promotion yeah remember? yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah because the, of the, the, the kicking, antics everything, the yep. kicking yes oh yes. yeah no that that never got resolved no it didn't no, no they no no in the mocking which is classless right. yeah and that's why that guy's yeah <laughs> so Out. and they said do you have to ask freddie said, no i have to ask freddie i'll go tell him and hey and we got the airport hey freddie the boys want to take a picture yeah let's take a picture mm -hmm. that's how that's how freddie is yeah as a person as a man you know yeah. but um some things don't get resolved <laughs> no yeah. no i actually got one of uh freddie's original fight posters original because marie gave it to me she was richard come here i got a gift for you he fought he fought he fought anybody any town anywhere and uh he was a real brave cat yeah brave, brave uh, performer. He, and, and you know he's still a brave cat yeah. yeah i'm gonna try to squeeze him in here friday if i can yeah he has to uh because of the situation uh do some things medically to mm. keep keep it all going yeah and that's no, why, and that's why marie that. is always with him yeah. yeah yeah no marie she she's golden man she treated mm -hmm. us right she um she goes beyond she really cares and she cares about the whole program and freddie first and foremost yeah he, he should thank maria a lot because she keeps him going oh yeah and i've been there when freddie um when he starts getting that little attitude because when <laughs> things ain't happening but she keeps her calm and collect and because freddie needs it done now yeah. now now right. and uh have you met uh pepper freddie's brother sure oh he's a little character too i like him yes, too yeah very nice in there man that really is an historic uh gem mm -hmm. yeah, it really is top and bottom. you it, think it, about who's been through there yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and celebs i mean mario yeah. lopez will go in there sylvester stallone will go in there kobe's gone in there uh, marky I mean, mark i mean guys, uh, uh, russell's people, been in there people from every, gsp has been in there people from every sport see, going there. you walk in and see stars working out yeah yeah uh, oh I'll tell russell you, wilson was just in there exactly i'll tell you a quick story i've told this on the air before i want you to hear this lee my wife, she says, Richard, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, let's pass by a wild card gym. I just want to go there. And I was fascinated by the whole OJ case. Mm -hmm. I said, let's pass by where the whole OJ incident happened and so forth. So I, I called Marie and I said, is there any way I could just look in there or something? And she goes, no, we can do better than that. I'll, I can squeeze in a two, 20 minute meeting. Okay. And I wasn't going to bring no camera. I go, no, well, well, the press. I go, no, I'm not going there as a press. This is my birthday. I'm not bringing no cameras, no nothing. It's just Richard Ortiz walking in there. And that 20 minute meeting turned into three hours. Mm. And then Freddie goes, just by pure coincidence, let me show you something. Takes me downstairs. And this question still has never been answered. I don't know why he had it <laughs> locked, but it was locked. He opened it up. He opens it up. And lo and behold, guess who's hitting the bag? Talk about getting starstruck. And uh, he introduced himself. And I said, I know who you are, sir. I wanted that picture so bad, but I didn't want to be that guy. He was working out, he was trying to finish. And it was uh, the attorney for the OJ case. 
with Shapiro. Wow. So talk, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So I was able to get that picture in LA because remember he was in LA? And I said, yeah, I, I met you at a wild card. He was, I remember you, the birthday guy, right? Yeah. I said, I wanted so much to get that picture. Let's do it now. So there's a time and a place, but for my birthday, that 20 minute meeting turned into three hours. And Freddie and my wife got along better because Freddie's actually from Canada. And he said, yeah, they think I'm Irish, but they would do that to sell tickets. So he would always tell me, he tell me all his stories. And he said, you could print that if you want. I don't care. He'd know he said, I don't give a blank. And you know the way Freddie is. <laughs> yeah. But lo and behold, I wanted to see the whole OJ thing. And who's hitting the punching bag? Robert Shapiro. Oh. True story, man. It happened. I just thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. And I know you got tons of stories like that to tell. One question I want to ask you before you leave, man. What was it like being around Muhammad Ali? The most amazing person I've ever met in my life. Again, I saw him at a different time than you guys saw. Yeah. And he was young, joyful, made fun, made fun of the press, <laughs> and um, the press wouldn't leave the press room. It, it, even if he said he wouldn't talk to him, because he, he just would pop in. He would pop in. It's a. It was a different time, and he did. He did a lot of magic tricks, levitation tricks, and made fun of his opponent of course <laughs> and they formed at a high level in the, in the ring and um, if you watch that uh, video this is boxing mm -hmm. he opens that video yeah. and closes, yeah. closes the video yeah. that's for a reason uh, Bob's yeah. first fighter yeah exactly Bob was very close to him and the family but he of all the fighters I met are people most mm -hmm. amazing person I've ever met yeah I'm gonna tell you a quick story right here you see Lee all calm and collective <laughs> right? No, no, you do. But but the press. The press is there. They're professional. Act like you've done it before. You're there. Wait, let me get there. I, I see that. You, you, you're doing a job. Don't you dare stand up and start cheering because he will lose it. Lee went over there and just checked this guy. He said, he told the grown man, why, oh, yeah. why don't you behave? We got people well, paying there. We got the press guys. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was, <laughs> no warning. No nothing. The, the funniest thing was. your last warning. It was ridiculous for a guy to stand in front of the press. Hey, but the, I don't understand how he was there. And he kept trying to talk yeah. to me, talk to me. And I finally said, okay, okay. And I finally said, do you have a card? I'll yeah. call you later or something. The funniest thing about that is. Remember, because you were sitting on the other side. Yeah. Everybody, when they seen the guy look at Lee, like he was going to yeah. tell him something, every single person in press row and the people around there was like, oh, is he talking to Lee like that? Like, um, this guy's trying to get checked right here? Yeah. Everybody was like, he's talking to Lee crazy? Yeah. And then we're like waiting to see what's going to happen. And then yeah, he sat see, down and calmed guys, down. All these guys got your back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, sit down, that's all. Yeah. But the, the way no, he... No, no. He the, just said a call yeah, like that. But the way he looked back, everybody was like, okay, if he's going to say or do something, we're, you know, we're, we're all going over there right now. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So they, they were they were yeah, ready. I, I never had exactly. a problem in the press section. I got one question, Lee. So this one is because this fighter is, I wouldn't say, you know, like friend or nothing, but I, I'm real, real good with him. Um, Sudo Ramirez. I actually told him and his team. Yeah. I told him and his I team. Saw him in, I saw him last it, week. Yeah, in yeah. Texas. Yeah. I told him and his team a year before he beat Abraham that he was going to be a champ. I seen it in the style. So ever since then, they they always told me they respected me because I seen I, it. I got a funny story about the Abraham fight. The yeah. Sarah. So um, Abraham's team called me uh, for a meeting uh, at the MGM. I think we met in the McDonald's place. Oh yeah. yeah that mm -hmm. little, little. There's place. one right there. Yeah. 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 And he said, uh, "Little question for you: Do you, you control the sports book? No, I don't control the sports book. <laughs> so, uh, we're the champion. Yeah, you're the champion. So he's like a challenger, right? Yeah. So how come he's favored? <laughs> oh, he that, hey, and, and that was the thing. A <laughs> lot. They yeah. said, "Do you did you do that?" I said, "No, I don't do anything with the sports yeah. book." 
there was they a took reason. that to heart. There was a reason he was a favorite. I, t- I told people for for the longest yeah. anybody that would listen to me, I was like, he's going to, I and I said it clearly. He may not knock him out, but he is going to dominate him for those twelve rounds. Yes, he is. you know, uh, I I worked when I worked in the sports book. We took a lot of boxing. Oh, I, who was a guy that fought Tyson that came out of jail? Um, Irish fighter. Oh, Peter McDillon. Yeah, there you yeah, go. So yeah, yeah. I, I went up there for that one. So my first week uh, as a as a boss in a sports book, um, Hurricane McNeely. Uh, <laughs> there's a long line of people all betting uh, McNeely. So when you do action and big action, so like sometimes the computer screen would turn red, which means double key or triple key. It means the fight that the computer protects the house mm-hmm. in, in the sports book. And double key or triple key means two or three supervisors, right? So to approve that bet, because there's no bets for Tyson, it's all one-sided. So I called, I picked the red phone up, my boss out, Martin Terrace, said, listen, we're taking a lot of action on this guy, and uh, there's a long line here. He goes, if I need to talk to you, I'll call you. You just keep taking the action. Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I never saw, you know, when you work in a sports book, most games are 80, 20, 90, mm-hmm. 10. They're not 50, 50 like you read in yeah. the freaking books. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story about that fight. We went down there to MGM Grand, and uh, I, ha- I took my mom with me. And my mom just thought, okay, uh, Mijo, can I meet Tyson? She thought it was that easy. So I took her down there anyways. And they had the doors open. And as you, as you know, the MGM Grand is down. So I just said, Mom, you see that ring all the way down there? There's where they're fighting. So there was some lady... Who's her, her name was Carol. We'll just say her name was Carol. She said, oh, no, you guys can't be there. I said, no, we came all the way from Fresno. I just want to show my mom just so she can see the ring. No, we can't have it. And kind of rude, but I get it, right? Boom. Went back to the room. I felt like a failure, man. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I just wanted my mom to see the ring. And, you know, that's probably the closest I'm going to get her. And honestly, and uh, I prayed. I said, man, I wish you could just make a way. Well, anyways, they're having the... Um, He's being interviewed by Larry King at the MGM mm-hmm. Grand in the middle of the ring. Don King's there. So I go in the back and John Horn walks by. And he says, hey, Rick, how you doing? Right, I say, hey, how you doing? He goes, hey, mom, how you doing? He, he goes, yeah, Mike should be coming out later on or something. He said, I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna wait here. He goes in there and he says, come back in, bring mom. So we go in the green room where the green room is there and they can see everything that's going on there. There's food there, there's appetizers and stuff and the press is there and not everybody gets to interview them. They're doing a lotto pick. So they just look at us like, who are these people in here? Like, yeah, whatever. And they're testing, 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 one, two. They're rehearsing, right? So everybody that looked at us kind of crazy, John Horn comes out. He says, come on, Rich, you and mom. And we went in the middle of the ring right there on Mike Tyson. My mom put his arm around him, blessed him like I'm Hank Connell's do. Yeah. And and Mike started asking me, I said, can you sign this for my son? He goes, you have a son? How old are you? Where are you from? I said, Fresno. He goes, oh, by Modesto. And I'm telling him the story. I said, we tried to see the ring and um, this lady wouldn't let us. I go, actually, that's her right there. And uh, he went to go off on her. I said, no, I said, no, no, it's okay. He goes, <laughs> and then he looked at me and goes, Richard? Like, it's none of my business. She came back, apologized, and so forth, and, and that's a true story. Less than 24 hours, Lee, all we wanted, all I wanted to do was show my mom the ring where Tyson's fighting. Less than 24 hours, my mom's in the middle of the ring with Mike Tyson. He just got done, and then my mom got to meet Larry King, and then, of course, Don King. I mean, yeah. he was just there. And I pulled out a card to for him to sign, and all these people, they they're ready to check because <laughs> all the security was yeah. there. 
and see, he signed that card, and when he handed it to me, he put a stump print on it by accident because it was the silver ink. So yeah. I just thought I'd share that with you because we talked about Peter McNeely. And prior to that, I saw Peter McNeely outside smoking a cigar before the fight. <laughs> That's real talk. Because I And he saw my hat that said I had it made, say, Team Tyson, because I had him sign something too. Yeah. That's just one story I got to tell, and it's real and existed, but it doesn't even touch the surface of all your stories. You've been there with the Muhammad Ali's, the Dallahoyas, the Julio Cesar Chavez, the Magic Taylors. You have the best job in the universe. How does that make remember, you feel? Remember Oscar? He ran the nineties. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. house, every yes, every fight sold out. You know, <laughs> and, and Pacquiao did the uh, top yeah. ranks has always had a star in his company. Absolutely, he, like Bob said, we we always have to have stars. Well, absolutely. I can't run without stars. Absolutely. Right now the stars are Crawford and Lomachenko. There you are. Yeah. There you are. I'm I'm rooting for Jose Ramirez to make that move. Yeah. I'm really rooting I'm for be, it. I'm with you. Hey, there you are right here. Hey, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Remember, Richard Ortiz, your host with the Fighter's Voice Knockout Radio Show, the only voice that matters. Hey, as always, I dedicate <laughs> this whole show to my son. Te quiero mucho, mijo. I love you with all my heart, Richie. This is for you. Thumbs up for Richie. Never down for the count. Joe. It's just another wrap. Thanks for listening to the Fighter's Voice Radio Show. Catch us again next week. Same when, same how. And always stay connected to the Fighters Voice on social media. So on behalf of Richard Ortiz, Cole Escovito, our special guests, and the whole crew right here at the Fighters Voice Radio Show, saying see ya next week right here on the Fighters Voice.